Hello humans, this is Brandon with episode 51 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show, the world's greatest podcast about the world's greatest heroes. They here, can here. be back, so I'll introduce them. As always, I've got my amazing co-host here with me, Rob. To quote, has the Large Hadron Collider destroyed the world yet dot com? Nope. <laughs> Crazy as always, Rob and Josh. Hello, humans. This week we'll be covering Action Comics Annual Number One, Detective Comics 1039, Justice League Last Ride Number Three, Flash Annual Number One, Future State Gotham Number Three, Wonder Woman 775, Batman the Detective Number Four, Joker Number Five, Batman Urban Legends Number Five, and Infinite Frontier Number Two. But before we get going, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you, yes, thank you. Too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot Podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com. Before we dive into our books this week, what's new with you guys? What news do you have to share? Well, it has been a shitty week around here. It's been hot, and then it's been raining. Oof. It's been hot, and it's been raining. I just can't decide what it's doing. Right? Know. It's like a broken dryer. <laughs> yeah. It just it's sure. it's warm as shit, but let's be real. It's wet too. <laughs> yeah. And there was a tornado like an hour and a half north of here too. Oh no good. Very rare oh, damn. even southern Ontario. And it was destructive. It was crazy. Yeah, we'll you gotta go a little s- more south than Ontario. You gotta hit Michigan yeah. and then you start getting messed up by a tornado. <laughs> yeah. I've I've lived here my whole life, Southern Ontario, and I I can count in thirty years like three, maybe four tornadoes I've heard of. Right. <laughs> this one was an F two, apparently. It's just, I don't know. I don't know much about tornadoes, but that that sounds pretty destructive. <laughs> yeah, I mean F two is the second uh, least powerful tornado, but it's still a tornado. <laughs> yeah. So no thanks. Barry out there listening sucks. Uh, sorry that happened to you. Hopefully everything's <laughs> okay. Uh, in other news, this week, if you're a regular viewer of Flash, you know that this was the 150th episode. Oh wow! Big anniversary for them. Seven seasons in, and they hit that mark, and they're going. I'm not going to say huge, but they're going big enough where we we finally got introduced to Bart Allen. Oh wow! I gotta say. He rocks. The actor awesome. is spot on. The costume looks amazing. It's a great story so far. I love it. The, the quality for the last two episodes just skyrocketed. I don't know what's going on. This hmm. The last two seasons have been all like Joshua Williamson stories from his run. Oh, during, really? Um, yeah, during Rebirth. And some, like, I'll be honest, like Williamson's run somewhere better, somewhere not. <laughs> and then now they're doing <laughs> Godspeed, and it's, it's actually quite interesting. I'm not hmm. going to lie. Well, that sounds like it's pretty good news. Uh, I also have news. I need to give a shout-out to our host, Brandon. This isn't DC-related, but he oh, insisted that I go back and read the Moon Knight series by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood and Jordi Belair. Holy shit. 
This thing is so awesome. Yeah, it's a few years old, but somehow, for a Moon Knight fan, this escaped my purview. And I'm so glad Brandon recognized it and recommended it for me. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's it's really amazing. And I'd encourage people who haven't checked it out to definitely pick it up. Not even just for Greg Smallwood's art. Because this was my introduction. I'd never heard of this guy before. And then I saw it and I was like, what the heck? Moon Knight? Um, but I was like, oh, Jeff Lemire, it'll probably be pretty interesting. And it just, it totally blew me away. So definitely, yeah, well, definitely check it out. Moon Knight is one of the few Marvel characters I actually dig. <laughs> so this was a big, huge find for me. And I really, really enjoyed it. So that's good news. We did have a bit of bad news in the DC Comics universe this week. We lost Robson Roca to, co- to the coronavirus. And... Um, I mean, if you're not familiar with them, and if you're a DC fan, how you could not be, but uh, he's famous for Aquaman, the Green Lanterns series, Future State Justice League, a lot more. And, uh, you know, moment of silence for Roka. We lost a really great talent there, man. Yeah. Um, It's just really tragic. It really is, especially to something like the COVID, you know, the COVID diseases. That sucks, man. Yeah. And I mean, I've just, you know, I've just seen an outpour of support from artists who have said, you know, at conventions, he was the nicest guy and a real family man. And I just, yeah, my, my condolences for his loved ones. That's it's just a terrible loss. It really, really is. Um, past that... Uh, we have a few to, a few new titles to announce. Uh, we've seen there's all kinds of solicits. There are all kind of miniseries, but I just wanted to bring a few of these to people's attention. We do have a new mini coming out, Batman the Imposter. It is a miniseries basically examining what if Batman was real. It takes place in a second year of Batman, and it sounds like it could be one hell of a story. We'll have to wait and see. Of course, if it's not, you won't hear about it here. Mm-hmm. We'll complain, but that's it. Uh, that's from Matson Tomlin, who wrote Project Power, who I was not a fan of. But it is drawn by by Andrea uh, Sorrentino, and she did Killer Smile, Smile Killer, Green Arrow. Awesome talent, right? Oh, yes. Love that book. So good. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Tom King is bringing in Human Target. And even though I'm not a Tom King fan, I am curious how this is going to go. Because it is supposed to feature the original lineup of Justice League International. Which should include Booster Gold, Fire, Ice, Red Rocket, Guy Gardner, Vixen, August General, and Godiva. Oh, I I thought it was a different cast than that. They they said that it was the original lineup. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that is the original lineup, is it not? I thought it was in, the, in uh, modern day. Maybe I thought yeah I thought it was the '80s Justice League International. You know, Mister Merrick, oh. Fire and Ice, Sky Gardner, uh, Martian Manhunter, Captain Adam, Black Canary, uh, Beetle, and um, uh, Booster Gold, and then Rocket Red and Batman. Um, I, I, well, I, I mean, sure, either yeah. way, either lineup would be interesting. We're going to see how King swings this and if oh, he'll yeah. mess it up. And I, I, yeah. I say that because Greg Smallwood, I, I don't know if it was on Instagram or somewhere else. I just I saw it posted somewhere else. But he released a, a preview image of the lineup of the Justice League International. It is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, all right. Well, then, yeah, coming straight, straight from the source, I'm going to yeah. assume that's. That's, you know, 
pretty reliable. Uh, two pieces of news for one of our favorite creators in the DC Universe currently, Matthew Rosenberg. The first one, of course, is working on Task Force Z, and that's not exactly a well-kept secret, but it is going to be drawn by Eddie Barrows, and that's freaking awesome. Mm. Also, Rosenberg is teaming up with JP4 <laughs> and Otto Schmidt for DC vs. Vampires. Also, not much of a secret. Uh... There's also the second title being announced under DC's Horror Presents label. It's called Soul Plumbers. <laughs> and the creative team is Marcus Parks, Henry Zabrowski, and Ben Kissel. And if you're not familiar with these names, that's not surprising. They aren't comic creators. This is the team that covers everything horror from a podcast called The Last Podcast on the Left. Oh. Which will be the second best horror podcast when our upcoming horror uh, pod, Not a Robot Scares, comes out later this year. Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> uh, two more pieces of news before I hang the microphone up here. Something is Killing the Children by James Tynan IV and Weatherdell Adara has been picked up by Netflix. Oh, are we are we talking about that here? Uh, I don't see why not. Oh, that yeah. looks awesome. <laughs> it doesn't have to be DC news, man. Oh, but because yeah, uh, I, I, I was gonna save that for my indie podcast, I guess. Well, but, go um, for it. <laughs> they, they're doing a spinoff title focusing on the House of Slaughter, um, coming in. I want to say October, called House of Slaughter, and that nice. will be written by James Ty the Fourth with co-written or also will also be co-written by Tate Brombal who I think did the did like a Barbalian series for Black Hammer and then I think it's <laughs> Werther Deladera doing the art I gotta double check that but um it should be yeah yeah but um no oh, wow okay there was a big old crack of thunder that just happened <sighs> thanks for bringing up the rain Rob <laughs> All right, so if I drop out for whatever reason, it's because power went out, and we will uh, we'll start right back up after that. Yeah. But um, last piece of news, of course, Morrison has left DC officially again. I think this is the thirty seventh time, but this time uh, they say that it's so that they can do more work in television. They want to uh, have a voice in adapting graphic novels into into shows and. I mean, I, I'm foreseeing yeah. Morrison in a visual aspect outside of comic books, so I'm all for that one. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I kind of have to... I, I feel like I have to take that with a 10-pound thing of salt. Yeah. <laughs> they have said that many times before. They said that after, I think, uh, Green Lantern was about to start when they were going to work on the, an adaptation of his comic, Happy... Um, mm -hmm. for sci-fi and then you know that ended up ending after season two so they just went back to writing Green Lantern um, yep. but yeah they, they, they've said that they're going to stop writing for DC multiple times I'll believe it when I see it you'll always come back when you have a story to tell and I imagine oh, yeah. will always have a story to tell I don't see how he could not yeah um, all right, that's that's more... all the talking I've got to do. Oh yeah, I, I have yeah I have two more comic announcements. Um, just some new miniseries that DC has announced. Uh, the rumored title that I came from I forget what it was. It was like some some 
comic expo or something like that um, where there were a bunch of rumored titles like Robin and Batman and the Else World. Another one of those titles has been confirmed. That is Nubia and the Amazons, and that will be written by Vida Ayala and Stephanie Williams with art from Aletha Martinez. Um, in addition, there's another title that will be coming um, that I kind of think just got stealth announced, and that is um, a series from Dan Waters uh, that... I guess we'll be kind of focusing on Arkham called Arkham City, the Order of the World. And that's Dan Waters and Danny, his partner on a book called Coffin Bound over at Image. It should be pretty interesting, but I, if I had to guess, it's probably going to be a bit more of a, a side book that's really just going to focus on a small core of Arkham characters and hopefully does something interesting there. Do you think it's going to be maybe like a, a spinoff of or some kind of different interpretation of what we saw in Arkham Knights? I think it could. I think it could. I think it's definitely looking, or will be looking at the Arkham hierarchy, and it, it mentions some of the characters that were in the Arkham Knights, like Professor Pig, um, and, uh, uh, God, why am I forgetting his name? Dr. Phosphorus. Astrid. Yeah, Dr. Phosphorus, and people who we saw in the Future State Arkham Knights team, so I assume you know they'll be there. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I'd be down if it was the Arkham Knights team. I I would really like. Um, oh damn it! I just said her name. Astrid. Yeah. Astrid Arkham. I'd like to see her as a part of that. She's an interesting character. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but yeah, there's that as well as they have announced another Batman Secret Files. I, I have no idea if this is some kind of mini series or something. I think they literally just keep putting them out at any time and are connected to something it looks like the the past two have been fear state titles or will be fear state titles and i guess this is a fear state tie-in as well so we'll see but that is batman secret files peacekeeper number one that will be written by james tyne the fourth and ed brisson with pencils and inks by joshua hickson oh wow yeah okay i'll take that oh i'm maybe I'm I'm far from the world's biggest peacekeeper fan. I can't I really can't stand them. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I far the Secret Files books have been pretty good. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I hope I hope it keeps with that, but I guess we'll just have to see. Um, yep. If if it doesn't, you'll hear about it here. Yes, you will. <laughs> I I've got one thing that's not an announcement, more so just a tease from Tom Taylor. Of course, he loves his, his internet teases. Yes, he does. A few days ago, he tweeted out that Ben Abernathy, DC editor, sent him one of the most exciting images he's ever seen, and he cannot wait for the world to see this, and then he tagged DC Comics. So if that's another book he's rating with DC, who knows? Maybe yeah. it's just an image that the artist he's working with has been sending out, or what, but more stuff from Tom Taylor, I'll take it. Oh yeah, my guess Hell is yeah. something for Nightwing, but you know we'll see. Yeah, I'm thinking because I mean, we've all I've always wanted him to to write Batman, and while it's an outside series, I got one I wanted, and I enjoyed that. He's doing fantastic on Nightwing, and I'm cool with him staying there. Yeah, and even Batman the Detective, which I mean we're going to cover shortly, but I think that's also been a really interesting foray into batman and I'm, I'm right there with you he was on my 
when Tom King announced that he was leaving the book, I had a short list of writers that I really wanted to take over. Um, and he was, I think, I think number one or number two. Yeah, I was, easily I was, to put him there. Yeah, I was, I was really, actually, that's a funny story. I mean, I don't know if we should save it for later or we should just get into the books. But I, w- I was like, I was really confident that he was going to take over and I was very wrong. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and that bums me out because that uh, one-off issue that he did in Detective, I thought I thought that was great. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, fuck it, I'll just say it. But basically, <laughs> I had I had spent like a couple months building a case for why I thought Tom Taylor was going to be the next Batman writer. Have I told you how much I love you lately? <laughs> I very much appreciate that, Josh. You made my day, but. I, I basically I was just like okay, I had I don't know if you guys have ever seen It's Always Sunny, but I had like my Charlie oh, yeah. Kelly board on why I thought Tom Taylor was gonna be the next writer because I was like yes. oh, okay okay so he did an issue for the Secret Files issue in like 2018 and that was mm-hmm. like a testing ground right and then they mm-hmm. let him do that random annual for no real reason in the middle of the Tom King run just I think just cause. And my theory was like, all right, they're they're testing him. They're throwing more Batman stuff at him. And so that's that, what I felt like too. Yeah, that and the Detective Comics thing, and then Deceased, which was you know kind of had was a little Bat centric, more focused on Damien, but still you know kind of had Batman related characters. I was like, all right, this is it. It's coming. I can't wait. And then they had that Batman Day thing in October, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna be right. I know this. He's on the top of my short list. I got this. And then. They announced it was James Tynan. I was like, I did not see that coming. But No, I didn't either. But, yeah. I mean, I knew he was going to be moving to another big book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I figured it would be something like that. But anyway, can we've I, wasted enough of your time. Theory What's that? And just replace Batman with Green Arrow. Oh. Possibly. After the 80th anniversary, that story he wrote was quite enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Now, okay. All right. You know what? I'll take that, too. Yeah. But you guys have any other news? Uh, nope. I think we've ran the news to death. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, then let's get into our books for this week. All right. All right. So kicking it off, we have Action Comics Annual number one. This is brought to us by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art from Sayo... Sayoum, uh, Scott Godlewski with colors from Hi-Fi, letters from Dave Sharp. Um, this issue, I'm trying to think of the best way to break it down. You guys will have to bear with me because uh, while I've had a lot of other stuff organized, I'm just coming back from vacation, so I didn't get to put as much into this script as I would have liked. But um, This issue basically revolves around the pocket of... Uh, Philosians living on War World that they have been alluding to in Action Comics so far. Getting into a bit of their backstory as we uh, meet Thaula and I believe her sisters, as well as a man by the name of Byla, who acts as the storyteller for all of the Philosians on War World. And in this particular instance, Byla has visions of not only the past, but of the future. And that future involves some very familiar figures. And if you remember from Future State Superman House of L, you might recognize some of these characters because it is the Kryptonian House of L, a flash forward to the future, uh, during the wedding of Khan and Allura of the House of L. 
Uh, and basically this issue revolves around the return of Pyrrhos, who as you remember was the... I, they don't really explain how he's the son of Cersei in Superman. They kind of just say he was conceived. I, I don't want to think too much about what that might mean. But basically... this I'll issue... give you my idea. Oh, really? What is it? Yes. Superman was like, well, shit, there ain't nobody else around from when I was younger. Oh. And that's it. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I was, I was thinking a little darker, I guess. I was just like... I don't know. I, I, I was thinking somehow... Cersei got a hold of like Superman's makeup or something and like recreated some backwards magic version of him and also her or some some crazy stuff like that but some magical bizarro yeah some magical bizarro version of his son but anyway during the wedding of Allura and Khan they are interrupted by Pyrrhus who quickly engages with battle with the members of the house of El only to send them off to a mysterious place which they quickly identify as the Phantom Zone. Then Pyrrhus captures Supergirl and chides her on the fact that she is letting Filth marry into the House of El Bloodline and that he will be the one to save the house using science, magic, and his own strength, just as he was able to save Apocalypse. But back in the Phantom Zone, the members of the House of El are stranded and are quickly engaged by some of the demonic figures there. Uh, before being saved by none other than the cyborg Superman, who quickly tells them that if they don't follow him and bring along the Kaluan, they will quickly be killed and dismembered. So they quickly follow... Whoa. Lost my notes. Uh, so they quickly follow <laughs> the cyborg Superman, who informs them that the Phantom Known is not exactly what they thought it was. Jor-El and his son Kal-El had a very minimal understanding of what it actually was, and it turns out that the Phantom Zone is not just some place to dump your trash, but is a being by the name of Aether that has a consciousness, a consciousness that had slept for a while, it was only recently awakened, and sort of transformed all of the prisoners of the realm into these creepy monsters. So all the monsters that have been attacking the Kryptonians thus, thus far were actually Kryptonians themselves, but have been changed and devolved into these creatures but in any case cyborg superman and the members of the house of hell have many grand adventures uh, and bond during that time until they reach an encampment that had been formerly settled by kryptonians to get a device which they believe will be able to take them back to their home world and that device as we see in the hands of a decayed and well frankly dead body of Mr. Miracle is a mother box which the Kaluan by the name of Bry I believe he calls himself Brainiac yeah. 4 mm -hmm. uh, is able to interface with and open a portal only to reveal that it was all a deception by Cyborg Superman to use them to escape but he is quickly dealt with and the members of the House of El are able to escape intervene with Pyrrhus and shut him down in an effective manner uh, but are unable to stop Cyborg Superman from leaving the Phantom Zone. And just as Superwoman is planning to dispatch uh, with him, they quickly decide to just let him go in a way just because he was able to free the members of the House of El, even if he did betray them at the end. Uh, but it all ends well as uh, Allura and Khan are able to, I guess, officiate their union in this weird Kryptonian battle way. Uh, and the House of El lives to 
exist another day, at least until they face off against Pyrrhus again. But that's further on down the road. Oh, yeah. Um, we catch up in one final scene between the storyteller and the other members of the Philosians, and Thaulaw inquires as to why Byla's stories seem to sound so real. Byla gives kind of a cryptic answer, but informs her that that's a story that will come another day, but he will certainly tell it when she needs it most. Uh, what did you guys think of this issue? Uh, so when the Future State House of Elk came out, I was, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but I was like, cool story, but why? Yeah. I mean, it, it had... feel like a Future State story. Yeah. It, I mean, it had very interesting characters. The The premise seemed uh, awesome, but I didn't understand why we're getting it. But now I do. And I honestly would not be opposed to exploring this more. No. And I, I think what... I've really loved about some of the stuff that Kennedy has been doing, Kennedy Johnson's been doing with Superman so far is really exploring the Kryptonian roots. Because yeah. I feel like some writers have kind of played with that before. You know, John Byrne had that book, World of Krypton in the 80s. But other than that, I feel like it's usually just used as kind of like a plot device. Like, uh, some evil person comes back from Krypton's past and Superman deals with him in three issues and then they go away forever and are never mentioned. But I like that this is really trying to expand on the mythology and kind of build like this this legacy that Superman has. So I, I really dig it. Like I was a fan of the House of L one shot. and um, Me too. When they announced that they were bringing back some of these characters in uh, a story, I was, I was definitely looking forward to it. So I don't think this disappointed. Um, no, I just don't think we're going to get much more of this, unfortunately, because, yeah. I mean, as far as Elseworld stories go, I mean, this is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember if you mentioned it or not, but I'm pretty certain that this, uh, it's nearly a utopia made out of the the House of El and those who subscribe to their beliefs. But yeah, it much. is on Warworld. Mm -hmm. They've obviously fix that problem yeah and you know uh, war world is uh, they have several war worlds now and they're all peaceful so i thought that was kind of cool man yeah but you can kind of tell i mean i we don't get the full picture but you can kind of tell there's some kind of connective tissue between the war world rising story and action comics and what's going on here because it's clear that at some point superman is my guess is going to take control of war worlds and you know build this legacy that will make it a utopia like you said let's hope so yeah i but, think that would be a great story man absolutely um but yeah i really dug it and um you know it wasn't it wasn't perfect like it was it was just a really much like house of l it was just a really solid look at you know what a superman kryptonian legacy would be like and exploring that mythology um i thought the art was pretty good i, I think i definitely liked the art from um, Sayaum more than some of the stuff from Scott Godlewski yeah. um, wasn't bad in any way. I, I think it just worked a little better. And I, I honestly, I might have preferred to see that artist draw the entire uh, issue, but I understand that that you know might have been a little too much. But I ended up giving this one an eight out of ten. How did you guys feel? I went the same way. Nice. How about you, Rob? Yeah, I also gave this an eight out of ten. I, I wasn't—I'm going to be honest—I wasn't a huge fan of House of L during Future State. Mm -hmm. I just found it kind of way out there and almost unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But this was really enjoyable. I, I thought it was a nice alternate look, I guess you could say, into it. Yeah. Now that you've gotten through the introduction and you can 
kind of appreciate these characters a bit more. There's just so many questions that go with it mm. for an Elseworlds title. Like, what happened to John? How far into the future is this? Like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, uh, the art was great. I enjoyed it, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing more. Nope. Now, I will say that, I mean, that this future for Superman is a whole hell of a lot better than any of the other ones that we've gotten. I think this blows the pants off of, you know, as far as a Superman-centric future story, uh, I think it's much better than Kingdom Come or Superman 1 million. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Kingdom Come was not nice to anybody. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> least of all Superman, I would think. Yeah. Oh, well, so it was nice to one thing. It was nice on the eyes. Cause the yeah, eyes. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I, DC 1 million, I think he ended up in the sun or something. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like yeah, it was like the gold Superman that was just yep. kind of in the sun. Yeah, Superman. Yeah, it was Superman one million. Yeah, yeah. Which, which just I, seems like a really stupid title for someone. Uh, yeah, which I I, I I I don't remember if this is true, but I think it might just be a rumor. But I've heard it said that the Superman of Morrison's All Star Superman, the one that you know, basically ends up going into the sun at the end of it, is supposed to be the same Superman 1 million from that title, which would make sense. Oh. He wrote both, but I, right. I, I don't know if that's true. That could be a total made-up rumor, so just take that with, like, a grain of salt. But yep. Not the five-pound block we gave you before. Just yes, a grain. Yes, not the five-pound block. <laughs> this was a, a little a little less. Um, but next up, we have Detective Comics number 1039, which is going to feature a main story from Rob and a backup story from Josh. So without any further ado, Rob, take it away. All right. So this is from writer Mariko Tamaki with art by Victor Bogdanovich, Daniel Enrique, and Norm Rapmund. The colors by Jordi Belair and letters from Aditya Bidikar. Batman and Huntress are getting Deb Donovan out of harm's way just in time for the sewers to explode. If you remember, there was a whole bunch of explosives placed underground. Mm -hmm. At the same time, explosions are happening all over the city, but the Bat fam is there to help out. Afterwards, Batman, Huntress, and Deb get to the surface. Deb turns and stabs Batman as she's been infected by Vile. After securing her, Penguin goons show up with Mr. Worth looking to take down the Bat. And Huntress gets word at this time from Oracle that Vile is behind the murders and she goes off to get him but becomes infected herself, now attacking Batman. Oracle discovered that the parasite is sensitive to bright light, so Batman uses a flashlight to subdue Huntress and get her to a hospital. Knowing how this case needs to end, Batman realizes he cannot do it with the police hunting Batman and Bruce Wayne, so he decides to turn himself in. This was such a fun story. For her first story arc from Riko Tamaki is just amazing. Right? Yeah, I cannot wait to see where she goes with this. And no. I, I, I definitely thought this was um, was tighter than Wonder Woman in terms of story. Oh, yeah. I know Wonder Woman definitely felt like it was kind of um, losing its, I don't know, losing its cohesion as it got towards the end. But this one has felt really tight so far. Like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm lost at all. Nope. No. And after it's... reading this, after reading this, I'm like, I don't see how this story could have gone any other way than this. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. I thought it was really cool. I'm a little worried about Huntress, and uh, I'm definitely positive that we're not done with it yet. Yeah. No. So uh, I, I was kind of unclear if, if Vile died at the end. He said he was bleeding out, but... There's no telling. It kind of just didn't show. 
what happened to him afterwards. Stay tuned next week. Yep. Yeah. Same <laughs> detective time, same detective comic. Yeah. Uh, my one gripe for this story is after Penguin's backup, I think in the last issue, he was kind of down on his luck and feeling pretty shitty, so he's deciding to just become that big crime lord again, but all his goons were kind of leaving it behind because they, they weren't getting paid enough. Mm-hmm. And then this kind of payoff for that story seemed almost non-existent and he just sent a whole bunch of goons that apparently is still working with him to go with Mr. Worth. I thought it was going to be, unless there's more coming down the line but it really looked like there was going to be some big thing for the Penguin happening and it seemed very minor to me. I don't know. But let's be honest, Penguin is kind of a useless villain. I mean, it even said so much in in his backup. Yeah. Yeah. And while he may be a criminal underworld leader, he's definitely not as stationed in that role as like the Maronis and 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 whatnot. You know, those are the, the and they've always been painted as the big mafia people in in Gotham. And Penguin's just been. Someone they turn to when there's nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's been like that way for a long time. Yeah. So work his ass out or turn him into a different character or, you know, somebody kills him. But, I mean, there's no reason to keep bringing him back. He just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate because I honestly, I, I grew up loving the Penguin. I thought he was a fantastic villain. But you're right. It's It's kind of just... It's like Lex Luthor and Norman Osborn ideas. Like, how do these rich guys keep getting to go back to their companies after going to prison so much? Yeah, right. And and I mean, in a world with like doomsdays and cyborg supermen and all these other crazy supers that can just absolutely decimate cities, I don't know. Someone as simple as Penguin as a crime boss, which I get that Batman was kind of tasked to fight, but you know he's kind of evolved from just being someone who takes down goons on the street these days. He'll still right. do it from time to time, but I don't know. It just, if that kind of model feels a little too simple, it's it why does. we don't get like a Carmine Falcone story. Like exactly. What, what do you do with that? It would be so easy. Batman has such a large network of people. You could take down Carmine Falcone in a night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I gave that an 8.25 out of 10, man. Yep. I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. Super solid. 8.5 for me as well. Keep this coming, Marie. Oh, yeah. All right, we're not done yet. Yeah. We have one backup, a Vile story, focusing on the new Vile character, and Josh will tell us all about that. Absolutely. It was written and drawn by T-Rex, with colors from Simon Goat and lettering by Rob Lee. And... Look, this is pretty much just like the backups that we've been seeing in Crime Syndicate. Mm. Cool story, drawn great, but definitely not necessary. We got all of the info that was in this part of the book in the first half of the book. Pretty None much. of this was really yeah. necessary, and I am rounding it up because it was written well and did look great. But this, nothing happens in this. This just shows us his, like, origin story. And really, we know he's going away soon. Why the hell did we need that? I get an Owlman origin story. Vile was completely unnecessary. And rounding it up, it only managed to pull a 7 out of 10 from me, dude. 
Yeah, it's, it seemed wildly redundant to yes. do that again. Because, I mean, yeah, literally exactly like you just said. Like, we, we literally had an opening monologue from Vile about how he was not a normal boy and how he basically became this monster over time. And yep. then, I, I mean, I guess props on them for wanting to flesh it out, but I, I didn't really Why? feel like I needed that, though. Yeah. Right? I feel like yeah. Vile got more fleshed out than Clown Hunter or yeah. Miracle Molly or any of the new plot-centric people. Vile feels like he's just he's just here to hold, you know, hold the page until more important shit comes up and that's not just that's just not for me, man. Yeah, Vile no. sunk this book. Yeah, no, I mean, I like the character of Vile, or at least yeah. the purpose he's serving right now, but right. I just, yeah, I didn't feel like this... I, I feel like this was the wrong place to put a short story like this. Like, don't do not do another origin immediately after you have another origin. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just going to compare the two. But, I mean, it had some really cool art. I'd never heard of this artist before, T-Rex, so... He's been around for a while. I just don't think he's been around in a while. Yeah. I can't think of the titles that I've seen him on, but I I know that I've seen T-Rex before. Yeah, I feel like I would have heard that name before. T-Rex, <laughs> that's awesome. Right? <laughs> he's just got really tiny arms, so yeah. it takes him a long time to draw shit. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, this would have been much higher overall if Vile wasn't in it. Or at least if it was better thought out. No, mm. not better thought out, but just, I guess, a better premise. Like I said, I mean, like we all said, that why repeat the shit we got? Yeah, yeah, it just seems weird, but um, yep. I, I was in the same place. Like, I, I ended up giving this back up a seven, which, you know, I, I rounded mine up. So my final score was an eight, but um, I, I think it definitely would have been higher if you just kind of had... I don't know, a backup that was more interesting or just felt like it, it had something more to say. And this was really yeah. just, yeah, it just felt redundant. But it had really cool art, though. So I think I gave it more credit for that. Yep. Rob, did you think Vile was vile? I thought it was very vile. I thought it was very gross. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. That's, that's what put my score a little higher, just the disgusting factor in it with the art. The art was really good. I gave it a 7.5. But I completely agree. Like These books don't always need to have a backup story if you don't have a story you don't have a story exactly yeah overall i gave it an eight out of ten still a fun issue very beautiful to look at but you need to have the right story Mm -hmm. overall i gave it a 7.75 out of 10 and that is bumping it up again just because of the art yeah no mine came out to a 7.75 too but I, i i just i really like the main story so i rounded it up to an eight yeah that was pretty good but next up, we have Justice League Last Ride. This is from the killer team of Chip Zdarsky with art from Miguel Mendoza, colors from Enrica Angelini, and letters from And World Design. The Justice League arrive on Apocalypse and are unsure of where to place Lobo in a place where he will be safe from anyone coming to look for him. Batman immediately suggests that they can't keep him on the ship because it would take too much energy for the Green Lanterns to keep him there. But he does manage to find a nice summer home, as he calls it, that will be able to keep Lobo safe for the time being. But not just any summer home, Desaad's summer home. Doesn't sound like a good time. 
No, it does not. And if you look inside that summer home, it's filled with all of the kinds of torturous shit you would expect from an apocalyptic. Uh, but in any case, while the GLs will go off and do a perimeter sweep, the rest of the Justice League decide to tell some campfire stories, or at least Flash wants to tell some campfire stories, right. as they sit around <laughs> and commiserate over the fact that uh, they are all sad and miserable, but are still giving tribute to the League and everything else as they drink hot cocoa and eat some mores, as Batman calls it. Yeah. Hal, checks in, <laughs> Hal checks in with the United Planets, where things are going down, but not quite so well. Kilowog is seemingly giving a lot of the UP some crap, but it turns out that some planets have actually left the UP in hopes of finding Lobo before he dishes the dirt on them. Because it seems that, and this was something that actually kind of surprised me, a lot of these planets would have used Lobo's services in the past as, you know, a private contractor or something like that. Which Yeah, that's the I, nice I, way to put it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, something about that feels so gross. But it's not surprising. Well, I, I said it was surprising, but... I guess when you really think about it, it's not surprising that these planets would be like, uh, yeah, you need to, like, deal with some crap, so we're going to hire Lobo to absolutely slaughter you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in any case, Batman and the others decide they need to get some sleep before bed, and Batman has some nightmares revolving John, who warns him of some evil to come. He checks in with the rest of the League, informing them that a dream that he had feels like some kind of creepy omen... Uh, but not revealing who was actually present in the dream. Um, that's when Kilowog also reveals that there are some ex-members of the Corps who were on the hunt for Lobo as well, because they would prefer to see him dead than see him on trial. Mm-hmm. Batman and Superman, as usual, get into a tiff about what Batman wants Superman to do and what Superman wants Batman to do, and Wonder Woman tells them both to grow the hell up because we don't have time for this kind of crap. Wonder Woman for the save. Right. Batman checks. Sorry, in. Mom. I know. Sorry. Well, they're being annoying anyway, and they need to grow up. Um, yep. But in any case, Batman checks in back on Earth as he believes that there may be some kind of ruse involved to get the Justice League off Earth so that someone can attack, and checks in with Hal about it. While Clark checks in with Lois and tells her that he is feeling a little down. He had had a brief talk with Lobo, who I think got in his head a little bit and wants to make sure that Lois is alright and wanted to hear her voice and Lois tells her that it's okay to feel not good. Everyone goes through tough times. Everyone has these moments where they're not okay. But you need to realize that you have your friends here with you, Clark, and that you need to realize that you are not alone. Uh, This is uh, the Justice League story that I wish I could be reading in the main book. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. Um, it's so much better and so much more heartfelt and I think just continues to increase in quality because um, I was kind of unsure on that first issue, but I think really has just, for me at least, has just continued to grow in my favor more and more each issue to the point where, and I know this is kind of like an world story, but I, I kind of want to see more of this universe. I don't know how you guys feel, but... There's like there's some interesting things that I kind of want to see more of. Like I, I don't want them to overcrowd it, but I almost wish we could get more glimpses of what's going on on Earth with Nightwing and the rest of the heroes there. And I, and I wish we could get more involving the core and what some of those X members are doing. Like I feel like there's so much potential 
in this universe that Zdarsky set up in just this miniseries that if you wanted to, you could flesh it out more, but um, Agreed. I know they don't have time for all of that, but I, I'm digging the hell out of it. I gave it an 8.5. Yeah, I also gave it an 8.5. I love it. My biggest question out of all of this, and again, this is kind of bouncing off of your point of just world building, mm. is what the hell happened in the past? I know we've seen glimpses of it, but we never saw the full picture yet. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, and, I'm sure it's coming soon. Oh, yeah. The interpretation I'm getting is that Batman came up with a fucking plan. As he does. Martian Manhunter expanded on that plan. And knew he was going to die because of it, but did it anyway. And I think what Superman is really pissed off about is that he doesn't know Martian Manhunter insisted on doing it. Mm. I think he thinks Batman sent him to his death. Yeah. Which is dumb. But Uh, this... (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I think there's a twist coming. And this is completely based on the dream Batman had. I don't think Jean is dead. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think he's hidden somewhere. Maybe he's fused with Batman, or maybe he's flown off somewhere and something else happened. Yeah, but the, between Batman and Superman, or maybe they just think he's dead, but he's not. Yeah, and he's going to come back at the end and maybe help save the day. Who knows? Right. But as as great as this story is, it really does feel like this is the kind of story that's going to have a surprise twist near the end. Mm. It does. How about you, Josh? How did you feel? This story still has me. I think Zdarsky nails this down all the way. The art goes beautifully with it. What I love most about it is that I think his voices for every character is dead on. Mm -hmm. I even think that it's possible that Bruce has no clue what s'mores are. Because that's what Brandon was talking about when he yeah. said that Bruce said s'mores. He was talking about s'mores. <laughs> oh, he definitely doesn't. Yeah. that I mean, that kind of goofiness, I will gobble up all day long. And I'm just going to go back to something I've bitched about probably half a dozen times. Bruce might not know what, some, what s'mores are, but he definitely isn't going to tell somebody ducktails. Ah, uh, damn you. <laughs> 8.75 out of 10 for hey, me. Hey, and he, might have, he might have watched it when he was a kid. You never know. <laughs> Maybe not. I think he probably watched Darkwing Duck. But oh. uh, <laughs> but uh, what uh, Brandon said he would like to see more out of this universe, and what I would like to see come out of this book is DC's approval for him to take over the main Justice League book. I would love that as well, but we don't get nice things. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I, I I said last time, I think we were talking about this book, that in a nicer world, this would just be the main Justice League story. Like, you would just, we would take a break from the main continuity Justice League and just be like, hey, here's a cool alternate universe story that's, like, happening in Justice League, and then also we have the Justice League Dark backup. And that would be, I feel like that would be the like apex i don't know what the right word is but like the the apex of what dc wants to do with the main story and the backups which is basically you want a killer main story and you want a killer backup and they don't necessarily have to be connected in every way as long as both are really good right so in my eyes you would get a story like this in the main justice league book 
and then also have Justice League Dark to enjoy as well. And they can Please. both shine brightly together. But yes. uh, like I said, we don't get nice things. So, <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. But in any case, let's move on to another book that I think is sure to please, and that is The Flash Annual Number 1. Uh, Josh, you want to tell us about that one? Yeah, I'm totally in the, uh, in the sure to please camp as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, even before covering this, I was like, I like where this is going, and I hope it finishes well. Yeah. So this one, The Flash Annual Number 1, was written by Jeremy Adams with a cover from Fernando Passerin and Mike Atea, and art on the inside for Brandon Peterson, Hi-Fi, Passerin, and Atea. Steve Wines brought the letters. So um, I'm not sure if you two are aware of this, but my current favorite superhero in DC Comics at the moment is Jeremy Adams. Why? (laughs) You're going to find out soon. But this is the finale of Wally's story, and it's also just the beginning. We didn't spoil the surprise ending last time when we covered Flash, but here we are. Wally is now stuck in the climactic moment of Heroes in Crisis. This is a very dialogue-heavy issue, but it never drags the book down once. So I'm going to give you the Cliff's Notes version here. Everyone is stuck floating in the air, and that's because the Speed Force explosion is currently being temporarily controlled by Barry and Mr. Terrific. That created a time bubble where every single superhero there is frozen in time with one exception. Roy Harper is able to move around. The whole deal with the Speed Force is that it was trying to expel Savitar like he was a foreign body or some kind of an infection. He had soaked up a bunch of the Speed Force and starts to win. They figured out that if they pop the time bubble, Wally should be able to ride the tachyons back home. But he'll bring Savitar with him. They call him the League, but Savitar makes quick work of them as Wally lays on the floor weak from the trip of disassembling and reassembling his body at the subatomic level, which I could imagine that could tire a dude out. He's also buck-ass naked. (laughs) Barry gives Wally his ring, and that's when Wally realizes the truth. He was chosen by the Speed Force as its champion. So, given that, he starts to whoop on Savitar, who then gets sucked back into the Speed Force. The next day is a really, really rough one. They save the... um, They saved the Omniverse by not letting the Speed Force be destroyed, and actually that was accomplished by only saving Wally, which meant that Ollie had to watch his kid die again. Not easy. But they do share a touching moment, hugging it out as both of them mourn the loss of Roy again. Wally now no no longer wants to retire. He knows that he must be a hero for as long as heroes are needed, And that is the story. Dude, this was drawn so nicely. It was written so well. And before I give my score for the issue, I'm going to tell our listeners why Jeremy Adams is my favorite superhero at DC right now. He untied the knot that Time King wrote. Wally is most decidedly, unequivocally, 100% certainly not at fault for Heroes in Crisis. It was the Speed Force explosion trying to get rid of Savitar, and this whole arc was really done to undo that nightmare. That's what I feel like. This was awesome. 
9.75 out of 10. That's what I think anyway. Nice. What about you, Rob? Yeah, that's... Oh, my God. <laughs> this is what we've been waiting for for like 10 years. Oh, my God. So, yeah, this is a 9 out of 10 for me. I might even bump it up to a 9.5 just for yeah. again. It is so good. I I do think Savitar, he's talking about... And I got to go back and reread Flash Rebirth, but I'm thinking they're talking about like the 2007 Flash Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. I, I had to I had to go back and um, just kind of flick through that one again and um, yeah that's when you know Barry's first back and uh, kind of unsure of why his powers are kind of weird and then you know Savitar shows up and Barry touches him and then he like disintegrates and that's when Barry starts turning into the Black Flash and then you yep. find out that it's all Eobard Thawne who has been infecting him with the negative speed force. It's a whole thing. I I, I definitely say reread it if you want. But yeah, it's a little convoluted, but it's a pretty decent story. I think so. I mean, the, the speed force is convoluted, yeah. but speed force always is always convoluted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking now. I don't know for a fact that Savitar went back to wherever it was Barry sent him back in Rebirth, because that that. Tube looks a little more, and definitely with the letters, is a boom tube. I think he's being held by Darkseid now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Possibly. Maybe. Yeah. And this is going to tie into Infinite Frontier as a whole. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But that's that's my theory. We're, we call a lot of stuff on this show, and a lot of it seems to stick. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um,. But yeah, nine out of ten for me. Screw it, nine point five. This it's just so good. <laughs> hey, I went nine point seven five. So, Brandon, what did you give this one? I, I gave this one an eight point seven five. It was it was a lot of fun, um, and I yeah, I definitely really, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I think it was just a little lower for me because I, I. I just I don't know. I've never always been the biggest fan of Fernanda Pissarin. Uh, his, I think it, it's the weirdest thing. I think his anatomy is great. I just, I look at his faces and they, they just look a little weird for me. And they've never always meshed. I thought it was better here. There's the great opening sequence where it's like it's supposed to mimic Heroes in Crisis, and I mm-hmm. thought that was really great. But yeah, some places it was just a little off. But other than that, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it's good to see Wally kind of in a place where he's prominent and again. And um, I think more than anything most importantly a place where he's finally happy because my god it has just been like a non-stop suffer fest for wally for like the past three years and this is like i don't know the dreams of a wally fan realized like he's with his family again he's the flash again he's in keystone city again he's got good relations with barry and jay and all the other members of the flash family again it's it's everything that you would want and and i think that's just that's a good place to be in especially during this infinite frontier era so Hell i'm definitely yeah. really happy about that and that last page gave us a tease of what's to come mm. we know from solicitations heat waves next but we also see in images dr fate and gold beetle oh yeah i'm Yay. excited to see gold beetle again <laughs> <laughs> I want Gold Beetle to keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. I hope I hope Gold Beetle is what Booster Gold is to Superman. 
for yes. Flash. You know, he just kind of keeps popping around and is in that universe and can maybe one day be something of herself. We'll see. Maybe someone will put her in Justice League and she'll blow it. Who knows? But in any case, I had a lot of fun. So, like I said, I gave this an 8.75. Moving right along, we'll uh, flash forward to the future for a little bit and look at Future State Gotham number three, which Rob will summarize, analyze, and give us all the deets about. So, take it away, man. All right, so we got on writing duties is Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver with art by Giannis Milona Giannis and letters by ALW's Troy Pateri. Jason and the new Batman are trapped in Blackgate surrounded by villains. They need to fight their way out. Problem is, they need to work together, but Jason still doesn't trust this new Batman. Yet still, Batman convinces him for the moment if they fight together, they can hash it out after. During the fight, Astrid Arkham runs out being chased by her old army looking for revenge. And just then the ground explodes and out comes the brand new villain, Warmonger. He takes his job seriously, like his title. He takes his title seriously as he takes all three combatants down with ease, and Jason and Batman wake up in a pit. They are struck by darts that make them rage-filled, and Warmonger wants them to fight to the death. Back during the explosion, a few guards in another part of the prison are being killed off by none other than Punchline, and she takes this opportunity to escape. Mm -hmm. This is reported after the riot, and one person in Gotham is angry about this more than any other, Harley Quinn. So that was exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just finding out that they, today that this is an ongoing. I thought it was going to be limited. Uh, I, I am I, as much as this really feels like an. I, I thought it was going to be an ending to the Future State Gotham series, like all the stuff they talked about in Future State and just tying up all those loose ends they left. Mm. If this is an ongoing, I wouldn't mind seeing more. Yeah, and I'm yeah, still loving this art. No. Like the manga style really works for me. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely works for me too. But I think. Um, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm still kind of digging it, but I, I think, I think this has definitely been the best issue so far. Um, I just, I'm with I'm you there. Of, yeah, I'm just kind of wondering where it's really gonna go. Like I, I, because I'm, I'm with you, Rob. Where I, I'm thinking, if this is an ongoing and they finish the hunt, the Batman story, I'm, I'm. I, where I, can I feel it like go there from is there? More you can, yeah. I feel like there's, there is more you can do. I'm just, I'm not really sure what yeah. yet i'll have to think a little bit more about it but i thought it was really solid so i gave this an eight out of ten yep honest honestly i wasn't looking forward to this uh the last issue was good the first issue i didn't like at all mm-hmm. but so i i went into this having low expectations but i was wrong while i would still prefer it to be normal or not normal but typical illustration I actually like this interpretation a lot. Not a lot of sloppy, not a lot of guessing. It's very easy to tell who's who and what's what. And some of the art actually looks pretty damn good. I mean, for somebody who's not a manga fan, you know, that's that's a pretty good compliment for me. Because as I've mentioned before, so far, the only real black and white comic book I've ever enjoyed was Eastman's Ninja Turtles. So um, Not even Walking Dead? I'm surprised. That's the one usually everyone says. Nope, nope. Walking Dead, it it kind of spun its wheels for me. I mean, it wasn't as gripping as it was for everybody else. And I guess by you know this point, I had already been dog-ass tired of zombies. <laughs> and um, it just really didn't do it for me. I gave the show a couple shots, you know, for a couple seasons. And that was just, it wasn't doing it for me either. And 
No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of The Walking Dead, but uh, Ninja Turtles, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this one's keeping me in it, man. I gave it a seven point five out of ten. Like you guys said, though, after this arc is wrapped up, I don't see anything but wheels spinning. Yeah. Yeah. For this issue, anyway, I gave it a nine out of ten. I really enjoyed Ooh. it. <laughs> but nice. yeah, like, we'll see where it goes. If if they tie up all those loose ends, what's really left? Nothing. All right. Well, <laughs> now that we're done with Future State Gotham, let's move right on to Wonder Woman seven seventy two. Uh, let me just get my notes. Uh, this issue was brought to us by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan, with art from Andy McDonald, colors from Nick Filardi, letters from Pat Brassou. This is continuing the Afterworld story and Wonder Woman's trek through the graveyard of the gods. So Wonder Woman and Dead Man are in the graveyard of the gods, looking at some headstones and looking to find the keeper of the graveyard. After talking to some creepy dude with his eyes sewn, Ratatosk informs Diana that he has found the keeper, or rather the keeper has found him, and informs Diana that in order to achieve her quest of finding Janus, she must answer his riddles three, which she does with some difficulty at the last question, but is able to find the answer after the keeper inadvertently gives it away. Diana then flips the script and asks the keeper a question of her own, to which the keeper is able to answer. Um, and then Wonder Woman is able to, I guess, get to the well and travel uh, to Olympus or something like that. I was a little confused there. I wasn't sure what was going on, but Diana spends some time in Olympus catching up with the gods, only to later go off and not waste any time saying goodbye, uh, where she stumbles upon some kind of mythic creature chasing after a wood nymph. Uh, Diana quickly intervenes, smashes his head against a well, and then quickly jumps into the well herself, only to end up in Elfheim. And that's where our story ends. <sighs> that's um, where it should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it, it's okay. I, I, I don't know. I... I think Andy McDonald's art was worked better in this issue. Like I said, I don't hate it at all. I, I think it's pretty decent. I just don't think it's a great fit for Wonder Woman. No, I don't think it's... A, I'm not a fan of his in a major... I He's got some good stuff. I can't knock him, you know? No. he. But, I, I mentioned the last time he did a great Multiple Man miniseries, but, mm -hmm. like, you know, that was that was Multiple Man. That was, that was a much different tone than this. Exactly. Like, you know epic gods and it just it feels weird um but i think this one worked better because a lot of it was in the graveyard setting it's just when they shifted to olympus i could really tell like it just was like oh this does not fit at all no um at least not for me but in any case you know it's it's i i don't know like i, I really enjoyed the first arc and, and i think i'm still interested in the idea but it it's definitely kind of feels like it's spinning wheels at this point and it's just going to keep going through different places each time. And I, I don't know. I, I hope it can pick up at some point soon because this definitely feels like it's it's not quite as interesting. So I ended up giving this one a 7.25 out of 10. My hope whoa. is that Elfheim will be more interesting. I think that this moved the story along like a slow-moving roller coaster, and I did not enjoy the ride. 
slow moving roller coaster literally sounds like an oxymoron like roller coasters are supposed to be fast exactly and wonder woman <laughs> is like, supposed to be awesome uh, oh man Ooh. yeah and i just i seem to enjoy this less and less the first half of the arc i was cool with and then i felt like it just it ended floundered you know, it was just like a very anticlimactic, okay, let's wrap this up in a nice little bow and move on to the next Pantheon, which will be wrapped up in a nice little bow. And we're going to keep bouncing you around and around until Infinite Frontier has a reason to call you back. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I feel like the art has dropped so significantly from the first issues that we saw. It's mm. obviously because talent has changed, but given that, for me, the talent has also depleted. <laughs> it, it Wonder Woman at this point has lost all appeal to me. Not the character, but this book. Like most one, like most Wonder Woman stories, for quite some time they start out great and then they just blow away with the wind. I'm at the point. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am at the point where I really miss Steve Orlando. Oh, is it that bad for you? It's not that yeah. bad for me. It's, it's that bad for me. And, um, I mean, me and him have traded jabs back and forth about his run on Wonder Woman. Probably more than any other creator I've interacted with. He takes jokes really well. But um, this this is just sunk, man. Uh, sorry, Diana, but this gets a 6 out of 10. What about you, Rob? I, I didn't hate it. I... I enjoyed the art and I would have enjoyed this story a bit more if there was a bit more of a conclusion to the whole story arc. I think I could care less about Alfheim and I'm probably just more excited for her to see Egyptian gods and then call it. Mm. <laughs> but I think that the theory that's going on around here is accurate and it's she's just going to keep bouncing around until she's called back. And if that's the case, it's getting old already. Very much so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm at least like somewhat interested in Elfheim just because I like Norse mythology, but I I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's what this is supposed to be. Maybe I, I could be wrong. But I, I gotta look that up. Here's where I'm a little bit lost as far as this entire thing goes. Diana was taken away by the hand. Mm. Yes, and she ascended. Like, so what so. the hell is she doing sitting here bouncing around around Ragnarok or Valhalla and, and Egyptian gods and, and literally any place else? She's supposed to be someplace freaking cosmic. Well, we and... got an answer to that in the last issue because Ratatosk was basically just like, I was the one who pulled you to Valhalla. You were supposed to ascend, but you didn't. Um, and Which seems weak. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah I, don't, I don't know. It just... Like I said, I think it started in a really interesting place and has kind of lost that luster. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it, it's fine. Like I, I, it could be a lot worse, uh, but it could definitely be a lot better. It, yeah, it could be worse. Yeah. And speaking of things that could be a lot better, let's move on to Young Diana. <laughs> a smooth transition. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this is from Jordi Belair on writing with art by Paulina Ganuchot, with colors by Kendall Good and letters by Becca Carey. Cleo has been taken over by the pages of the Lost Book, 
and its magic appears to be evil. Hippolyta believes this is the work of Cersei staging an attack against them, but that remains to be seen still. And after a few unsuccessful attempts to take her down by various Amazons, Diana picks up a fallen sword, throws it perfectly, cutting Cleo and distracting her just for a moment for a healing ray to hit her from the main palace. The Amazons head back to heal, but Diana is convinced this isn't over. Oh, dear God. Uh, yes. <laughs> Finally, some action. I just wish it was enough. Yeah. It, it's not. I want this to be done, too. <laughs> this is going to culminate uh, later on when all those Wonder Woman comic books come out. Young Diane is actually getting her own one-shot title. And I believe well, it's, it's actually... A, it's a, a collection of basically all these backups. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's way better. Holy yeah, shit. If you really just wanted to read it by yourself, like you'll be able to enjoy that but no you won't but your kids will uh, yeah yeah <laughs> if they were going to do that why have this as a backup for so long and have it just not mesh with the main story mm. quite no, frankly i don't know i feel like the art is much better this time around but that's never really been an issue i feel like from issue to issue it's kind of been there's kind of been some tweaking here and there as far as the art goes but far as i can say the art the tweaking it's only for the good it's still just not my style of animation the story has been completely uninteresting to me from the get-go it that has not changed i've seen this in solicits for at least a few more months so apparently someone is enjoying this i just don't know who and uh, it's just not for me this one also gets a six out of ten Wow, you were nicer than I was. I gave it a five point five. I can't, I can't hate on Gunna Show's art, man. I, I really enjoy her art, no matter yeah, what it is she's drawing. It's good. It's just, it, it just doesn't fit this tone of story at all. No, it's so weird. I have to find something positive about this shit because, and I feel <laughs> bad about Jordi Belair because I love most shit she does, but I just, I cannot get behind this book. Yeah. Uh, overall, I was just disappointed all the way around the whole book got a six out of ten how about you rob yeah i i gave the backup a seven simply because the the art is enjoyable despite the fact that with the story just feels out of place and i enjoyed the fact that we actually got a bit of action instead of just diana going from amazon to amazon learning a new lesson it just felt really weird but we we get some action now and that raised the score up a bit Mm. overall i gave it a 7.75 mostly just due to the art yeah yeah just just for the record listeners out there rob gave a pretty high score but don't forget he's canadian Mm. He can't help <laughs> but be, be nice. nice. He has to be nice by law. <laughs> He's so I polite. I've ever met a Canadian who was mean to me. That you can't. It's very I don't rare. Think I have. We're nope. usually just mean to each other. No, nope. yeah, if you probably. I heard a joke one no, time that if two person. Canadians got into a car accident, no one would call the insurance company because they'd be too busy apologizing to each other. <laughs> we we joke about that, but quite honestly, I, I've been in or at least seen a few. Fender benders where that exactly happened. <laughs> oh, my God, Rob, you have made my fucking day. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is my fault. It's my fault. No, no, no damage. No damage. We're fine. Yes, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, hey, it's it's all in good fun. I, I have a buddy at U Toronto and we give him tons of crap about Canada. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But in any case, let's move on to something that... Oh, wait, shit, I didn't even get my score. Uh, Oops. I mean, it was a 6.375 exactly, but I'll be nice and give it a 6.5. That's it. I don't. I don't really have anything else to say. The yeah. backup is bringing it down so much, and it's not like the main story is that great anyway. Agreed. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now back to our program. Let's move on to something that I think will be more enjoyable, and that is Batman: The Detective Number Four. Josh, please get us away from Wonder Woman and. Let's talk about something else. As fast as possible. Written by the... Written by His Eminence, Tom Taylor. With our... (laughs) Oh, he's the Pope now. Uh, Why not? With our Inside and Out by Andy Kubert, Sandra Hope... Sandra Hope, excuse me, and Brad Anderson with lettering from Clem Robbins. This is going to seem odd to say this, but the following summary covers this book. Bruce Wayne escapes from the fake police that have arrested him and tried to kill him. Squire is able to save him and bring him back to her place. They leave after he wakes up two days later, and they find a mobile Batcave in Europe and hop in. Batman calls out to Oracle to erase all video footage of Bruce Wayne. Then he says, drive us to Belgium. By remote, Oracle is in Gotham. But she's going to drive there. That's some serious Wi-Fi. Yeah. So after he says drive us to Belgium, he calls to activate the European Alliance of the Bat. Jesus Christ. But that's it. I didn't feel cheated one time as as small as this story sounds. Mm -hmm. The panels worked. They flowed really well. The dialogue moved easily through the whole book. I'm still all in. Taylor is just as good at writing as Cooper is at drawing. Yeah. I, I, I love the detective. Alfred is dead here, so I can't figure out what, when, where, and how this takes place. But for the story, it doesn't really matter. 9.25 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, no, this, uh, d- despite being... Uh, like you said, a, a shorter issue in terms of story. I think it definitely um, it definitely didn't feel short. I, I think because it spent a lot of time kind of focusing on Bruce's escape and really getting into his head as yeah. he's trying to process all that stuff, which worked for me. Me too. Um, and yeah, it's it's a lot of narration and him really trying to walk through the process and and all that stuff was really great. And then. You know, when he catches up with Squire, that's when things start moving along. But I think I think that definitely worked for me, and I'm still I'm still really I think interested and just immersed in this world and and where Bruce is going. And I mean, I I don't know. Like, we're is it is it just me or has this gone by really fast? It has we're gone by way four. too fast. Yeah, we're at issue yeah. four. Yep, like, that's insane. It is. It really is. And it's even yeah. more insane to me because with the with this European Alliance of the Bat, it bums me out because it feels like we're about to get 40% of Batman ink back. I know. <laughs> but we're like almost at the end. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it's not. Hopefully there will be a spinoff or a continuation. And maybe that, yeah, maybe, maybe that piece of art that Taylor got was the cover for number seven. I'd love that. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, even if 
like they decide to do something. I, I would hope that it's, you know, just another sequel. Yeah. Keep this storyline I mean, going. Yeah, we haven't gotten to this part yet, but I, I felt the same way with Grifter, where I almost had like this, like, abandonment moment. Like, <laughs> right. It's like, oh, man, it's over. Oh, like you don't even it just went by so fast. You don't even realize it. Unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with this one and I gave it an 8.75 out of 10. Yep. There's no mystery. This is an excellent book. Yeah. And if you haven't picked it up already, I would encourage you to do so. It's, I mean, even if you're not really that interested in looking at an older Batman, it is like the cover should should get you alone. Like Andy Kubert is, I think, just absolutely drawing his heart out as he usually does. And oh yeah, it's it's just it's just so amazing. And even if you're not a fan of older Batman, this is an older Batman that hasn't lost it yet. No. Yeah, exactly. He's still got he's it. Still out there with the young guys. He's still kicking ass left, right, and center. Yep. Yeah. I want to say he's not like Batman Beyond old or anything along those lines, but he's mm-hmm. probably in his early 40s, maybe mid 40s. I was thinking more like 50s. Because, hey, I mean, you know, he's, he's He looks older, rough, but, but shithead, I'm 42, and I look older than he does in that book. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there, there are some, don't get me wrong, there are some spry 50-year-olds. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme, for example, looks like he's in his 30s or 40s. Exactly. He's like pushing 70 soon, I think. Mark Wahlberg just turned 50 today, so he can eat my ass, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, 50 years old. He's eight years older than me and looks 10 years younger. That's I don't know how that worked out. It's not fair. <laughs> a lot of burgers. He's got a lot of money. Yeah, uh, Maybe he's Batman. Oh, my God. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> nah. I, I'm just opening a can of worms. I'm going to close <laughs> Um. So Batman the Detective, though, I, I this is going to be great. I think, I know we've talked about it. I don't remember how you guys felt about Batman Inc., but I love yes. it. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I am super excited for this European Alliance of the Bad. Mm-hmm. See all these different bad people coming together. The one thing I'm kind of confused about, at least storyline-wise, so if I'm following this correct, these people are killing off people that Bruce has saved. Right his entire career yes right? how come so many of them are in europe in three days they killed 200 people across europe how did that they're starting in europe she doesn't leave gotham very often yeah i i see yeah, i assumed they were just starting here and then they would once you know once they take batman out of the way they'll move to other countries and stuff like that and that that's fine at all but how often did bruce go and save people in europe he's batman yeah, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. <laughs> uh, all in all, though, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Yep, sure is. Moving on to our next book, we have Joker number 5, which will feature a main story and our regular punchline backup. So, Rob, kick it off with our main story, and Josh will get our punchline story. Woohoo! So this is from writer Matthew Rosenberg with James Diamond IV, with art by Francesco Francavilla and letters by Tom Napolitano. So this issue is a flashback to Joker's first night in Arkham Asylum. Jim Gordon is a damn good cop, and as such, he cannot get Joker out of his mind. Upon hearing that Joker is being transferred to Arkham, Gordon immediately tries to make sure he's secured properly and to have extra security at all times. 
except everybody thinks he's being paranoid and he never gets what he asks for. While doing a check on the asylum security, Joker gets out of his room and Gordon puts him right back in, now deciding to stay there all night himself. He steps outside for a minute to tell Harvey Dent he will not make it to the sting-off they set up to catch Carmine Falcone, but the radio signal is a bit weak and doesn't get through. During this, Joker gets out yet again, and this time Gordon is determined. While Gordon was at Arkham, the sting was botched and many officers lost their lives, and Dent blames Gordon, and Gordon returns home to find out he's also missed his anniversary to boot. This is a heavy issue. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm starting to think that Joker, at least with this story, is less Batman's opposite and more Gordon's opposite. Really, anyone Gordon in Gotham who's tries just to do good. Realistically. Yeah. Yeah. But you try to look at Batman's Justice and Order and Joker's Chaos, but I think more Gordon is inherently good with his Justice and Order. Batman can go a little violent, but Gordon sticks to the book as much as possible, mm-hmm. or Joker burns that book as soon as he gets a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought the, the art was interesting. I enjoyed it, but the story for me was a little lacking just compared to the other issues we've gotten so far. It remains to be seen how necessary this flashback sequence is, but we'll see. Just to have this put in right in the middle of the story we're getting, yeah. which was so exciting, just felt really out of place and poorly timed, but I imagine they have a plan. Yeah, Joker I, always has a plan. So I don't, I don't know how you guys felt, but this one felt more like a one shot as opposed to the yeah. continuing story filler yeah. shit. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that at all. I just it felt a little weird, especially with the climax of the last issue, because I had to go back and look because I was like, this is a little weird. Yeah. Um, and mm. you know, we kind of left off with this big moment between um vengeance and and jim gordon and it just i don't know it felt a little weird to just pivot from that to a kind of random story of joker's first night in arkham and i I, I, I don't know i feel like this story was written before any of the other ones yes yes, just so that they could throw it in if they needed a little bit of extra time yeah like a stopgap essentially exactly Um, and like, like I said, I have no problem with that. I thought it was solid enough. I just, I don't know. I feel like for a story like this, it might have just been better to not break up the pacing of the main story and just like just put out a Joker one shot called Joker Arkham First or something. I don't know. Right. So you Joker Year that. One. Yeah, or something like that. So you can just kind of have it be separate, so it doesn't break up the flow. Um, yeah. But you know, like it, it, it was solid and. I, I really love Francesco Francavilla. I think he's a genius. Um, the way that he draws is... I mean, and this is not constricted to DC. He's done a lot of stuff at other publishers. Yeah, um, he's did a, he's worked for uh, damn near everybody. Yeah, he. well, I, I call him a genius because he did this um, spirit book like two or three years ago. And... Um, if you know anything about the spirit, you know that it's kind of famous for like its titles, where it ha- it'll have like a title sequence, but it's like drawn into the background. And every single title that Francesco would do was just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and I, I just I'd never seen anything like it. So I, I when I saw his name on the cover, I was like really looking forward to it. And I think that's why I I, I think your theory. Josh might be right that this was kind of like a we need a break issue mm-hmm. because. 
while the art was really good in some places, it did feel a little rushed in others, um, at least for me. And it, it, it felt like... Oh, go ahead. No, in death metal, like right at the end where everything was wrapping up with Wonder mm-hmm. Woman, we saw a lot of those backgrounds with the text in it and whatnot. Yeah. And I can't help, I can't remember, but that just seems so Francovia to me that I, I'm going to put that on him. I'm assuming that's who did it, but oh yeah, this, it might be. yeah, this this was just filler crap, which yeah, you guys know automatically knocks the score down for me. Even if it's stellar, the story was done really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like I, I ended up giving the the main story um, a seven point seven five. Like I had a a pretty solid time. Um, I was actually debating whether or not I wanted to round it up to an eight, just because <laughs> I did really like the art in some places, even if it felt a little rushed. It just it. I don't know. It just felt like really non-essential. You it, know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was less than non-essential. We've got non-essential books out there. You know, uh, Rorschach, that's non-essential. Strange Adventures, that's non-essential. And I'm not picking on Essential Tom King, who's here. non-essential. But the mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen better from Frank Avia, too. And this, this isn't just a non-essential story. This was just thrown in to take up time like brandon said a stopgap it's just yeah i didn't enjoy it so because of all that this is i brandon's often worried about being mean but (sighs) great talent less than stellar output so joker's main story only gets a 6.25 from me it would have been 7.25 if it wasn't a filler issue but it is so yeah and like I don't know. Like I, like I like I said, I did enjoy the main story, but you you know you can tell when something is a is a fillery issue. Like it, mm-hmm. if it had a more importance, you would be able to feel it. And this one definitely felt like we need something in between four and six. What have you got? And like that in- two part yeah. arc, um, that two part arc from Justice League where they went exactly. off and took on uh oh what the hell is its name uh oh it's from um oh my god i'm completely blanking on everything never mind but they went out in oh. space and fought this dark thing that was invading their mind and it's oh oh you're talking about the the black mercy yes black mercy yes right. jesus i'm I, like this was this was the same thing like i i enjoyed that two-parter but totally not essential exactly like yeah, we just we need a break in between Justice League and Death Metal. Like that was that was it essentially. And so don't it. publish. Yeah. No, I I think there's a place for it. I just I don't know. It's like it digital first. Okay, this is, maybe this is gonna sound mean, but these are the kinds of issues that you find in like a fifty cent bin or a right. dollar bin. Exactly. Yes, and you're like, I need something to read. Right, like I, I just want to have something that's kind of enjoyable and I can get for cheap. It doesn't yep. carry any larger weight or anything, and it doesn't necessarily have to, but it's not, you know, it's not something I would really go out of my way to get. And and I think those books exist. Sometimes you just kind of need, you know, stuff to fill space. But yeah, oh hey, the, that, the last time I hit my LCS in the ninety nine cent bin, I found the first three issues of Pit. Mm. <laughs> so I bought them. They're still shit, but yeah. I got them. Because <laughs> exactly. you're, you're just like, eh, you know, it's there. It's yep. cheap. 
why not? Right? Three bucks and it can keep me busy for 45 minutes. That's cool. Exactly. That's exactly like, <laughs> like, like something you bring on a car ride. On exactly. A plane. Yeah. Like I need to fill time. Yep, it's a portable. Um, it's really a portable mean. sorry board. <laughs> I know that, it sounds really mean. I'm sorry to the creative team. I love you guys. I do. I just it, that's what this feels like. So, yep. like I said, it got a seven point seven five for me. Uh, seven point five for me. I completely agree. I still enjoyed the story, but it was just out of place. Yeah. If this took place, we don't know how long the main story is going to be. But if this came out, either before or after, probably would have flowed a lot better. Yeah, I don't know. Agreed. All right, moving on. Let's look at the punchline backup. Josh, take it away, my friend. Well, there's no joke here. This is better than the front one. Written by Sam Johns and James Tynan IV with art from Sweeney Boo. Who? I fucking love this person. And lettering by Ariana Marr. I have no freaking clue who Sweeney Boo is, but they can draw as many books that I'm reading as they want. She did a an OGN called Eat and Love Yours. I didn't read it, but I, I just I like saw it like on Newsarama or something. I was like, oh, that looks interesting, and maybe I'll read it. But this definitely kind of like I don't know. I like the art in here a lot, so oh, I, yeah. I think I might pick it up at some point. Yeah. What was it called again? Uh, Eat and Love Yourself. Oh wow! I think that's the title. Oh, you know what? I, that sounds familiar for some reason yeah. too. Hang on. That might be yeah. something my wife picked up. Hang on. Yeah, eat. Eat, comma, and love yourself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Came out last year. I'll check it out. But uh, anyway, this one, Harper Rowe is trying to get her incarcerated dad to help her break into the prison he's in, which is the one that's also holding Punchline. He says no. Punchline is running the whole thing, and she's even gotten... She has given, we watched it in the book, she's given instructions for more chaos and she's done it right in front of the guards with no repercussions. She's got everything under her thumb with one exception, Kelly Ness. And as it was mentioned before, this is apparently the only person who could have the evidence necessary to take Punchline down for good. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for her, She's one person locked up inside with an entire prison that works for Punchline, the new Queen of Diamonds. And she doesn't look very happy about it. She looks scared as hell. But, yeah, dude, this way outshined the front of the book. Way outshined it. The story continues to be interesting. And like I said before, the art is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's dragged down a little bit because it's a backup issue, but I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, I, I gave this one an eight out of ten. Um, I like again. I, I love Frank Avia, but I I did think the art in the backup was just I just think a little bit more tight than the main story. Yeah. Well, I mean, it fit the climate. This isn't just something just thrown in, you know. I mean, yeah, exactly. There wasn't anything like, jarring going on here. No, and I mean, this story definitely feels like it. Probably because it's what, like part five or something. Yeah. Uh, it definitely feels like it has more weight in terms of its story than you know the main kind of filler issue. Um, but yeah, I'm still digging it, and you know, I, I hope that Harper is able to find more about um, you know Punchline's other friend and save her in time before she meets her inevitable fate. Well, hopefully not inevitable, but I guess we'll see. Right. Yeah, I, I gave this an eight out of ten. I, I think. I think it was pretty solid. 
and my final score, I, I did not do the math, but it's probably like an 8 out of 10, if I had to guess. So, yeah, you know, solid. Mine is 7.25 out of 10. The backup saved the day as per the usual. And that's pretty much all I got to say for the whole thing. No more fillers, please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was glad to see Cullen starting to come back over to the, the side of the light. Mm. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I, I really hope that's six round. He, he could, I don't know if, if Bluebird is a character is big enough to be her own Batman, but. Cullen could definitely be her Robin. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if he if he swings into that role, I, I I don't see them having a brother and sister team. But I mean, hell, they call it the Bat Family for a reason, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the the art was just phenomenal. For me, it was the colors. The colors were really good. Yeah, very vibrant, solid. Yeah, yeah. the story really well. Yeah, I, and. I don't know if it is just me, but I, I might just be getting a little tired of punchline. <laughs> Honestly. It's not I, just you. I'm still enjoying the story. It's it's fun and I'm curious to see where it goes, but just the the backup as it is, it just seems kind of slow for me. And this this chapter really did push the plot along, I find, but it seems to be the same thing over and over. So for that, it got a 7.5 out of me. Mm-hmm. I'm still enjoying it. I'll be interested to see where it goes, but it's not as exciting as other backups have been. Yeah, I can see that. So overall, the 7.5 for the whole book, mm-hmm. equal scores. I, I did have to say I was, I was not expecting to see, I don't know, like, I know some people do this, but I know some writers try and not where you, like when you're writing younger characters, you're trying to sound hip some people will do it and some people won't yeah um but there, there was definitely some of that in this issue that was like i don't know it just kind of caught me off guard for a second or like he <laughs> uh cullen's boyfriend says something wait i'm trying to find the page yeah he doesn't know what he's talking about and it's super cringe yeah exactly and i was like oh i see okay cool <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> Yeet. Anyway. Yuck. I hate that word so badly. Anyway. Yeah. It just makes you want to yeet the word out the window. Right? Yeah. yeah. But moving on to things that may be a little less cringe. Uh, we'll be <laughs> looking at Batman Urban Legend. So to kick it off, Rob is going to start with our Red Hood story. I will follow. Wait. Is this order right? Yeah, Red Hood, Batgirls, Tim Drake, and then Grifter. Oh, I have Red Hood, Grifter, Tim Drake, and Batgirls. Yeah, that's because the that solicits the come said. out weird. Yeah. yeah, that's my okay. fault, guys. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. Hang on, let me, let me just fix that. Because I was like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> um, wait. So, so Rob, you're going to do Red Hood and Batgirls? No. Uh, Red Hood, you should have Batgirls. I've got Tim Drake and... You've Wait, I thought got, I had Grifter. You do have Grifter. Yeah, I have Rob as Batgirls. Okay, oh, so, that's the old one. So I, just in case, I kept my stuff for Grifter and Batgirls, okay. so I have no problem doing Batgirls too. Hey, look at that, guys. We might not have everything together, but we uh, are a bit redundant. So, hey. <laughs> hey. Okay. 
Which one was I looking at then? The original had, one that I put up. Okay. But when I when I pull the solicits off Elite Comic Geeks, they don't put it in the right order. And I never know what the right order is until the day we open it up. Yeah. Well, because I, I guess... Because I, I knew we were, I was switching Red Hood um, with Rob, so I changed that. But I, I just I didn't see Batgirls. My bad. No. No worries, man. But Red Hood, huh? Yeah. Um, okay, hang on. So let me just... We interrupt this broadcast. <laughs> All right. So first, Rob is going to kick it off with a Red Hood story, followed by Rob again with Batgirls. Josh will get... Josh will catch us up on our Tim Drake story, and then I will finish with the last installment of Arc Rifter story. So, Rob, take it away. Okay, from the legendary Chip Zdarsky. I I loved his old Marvel covers, too. They were fantastic. (laughs) Uh, With art by Eddie Barrows, Iber Ferreira, and Diogenes Nevis. With colors by Adriana Lucas and letters by Becca Carey. Red Hood gets free from the ice he was frozen in just in time to get cut off from saving Batman. Freeze and Shear get away, and Jason is now committed to finding Batman, but also solving this mystery. He goes full detective mode, but in his own way. He pays another visit to the woman that created Scarecrow's fear gas, this time in civilian mode, and he finds she's married, but her husband is barely around after having a fight between the two of them. Mm. He decides to investigate this further and finds the man works for a chemical company and a shipment of the ingredients used for cheer drops has gone missing. We now cut to Cheer and Batman where we find out Cheer is indeed the husband and he's just given Batman a large dose of cheer drops in its raw gaseous form. So now we finally see who Cheer is, that mystery is solved. I loved seeing Jason's detective skills. It's a damn shame that we don't see it more often because being trained by Batman, no matter what kind of Robin you are, you learn some things along the way, and we see that in the flashbacks. I don't mention the flashbacks too much because they do tend to not move the plot along in the main story. Yeah, no, it's just like but, flashbacks yeah. to establish their relationship and why Red Hood exactly. looks so up to Batman, but... Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I, I've said it before, I really hope there's greater respect between Batman and Drew... Uh, Bruce and Jason <laughs> after this. Right. It just would fit so much better for character development. We're getting a lot of Bruce and Jason relationships right now, and to have that would just make my day. It's been a long time that they've just been fighting back and forth. Just, just end it now. Mm-hmm. Jason's one of the Robins. He's he's a son of Bruce. Just leave it at that. We're seeing this in the flashbacks. They have a respect for each other. Let's just keep it going. Yeah. Uh, this, this is a 7.5 for me just being a smaller story but still enjoyable mm-hmm. one more to go yeah we'll see how it goes Ugh. this one got an 8 out of 10 for me um, still really loving the art and the story I think the you could definitely tell the I don't want to say dip in quality but the shift between um, Eddie Barrows and Di- Diogenes Diogenes Neves because it just, yeah, it was like the high detail that Eddie Barrows brings and, I don't know, the kind of rougher stuff that Neves had was just, it was, it was really 
Like you could really tell the difference between it and it just it was a little awkward for me. But other than that, you know, the story's still really solid and it's still kind of moving along and it was good to finally catch up with um, with cheer and understand some of his motivations and everything. So I'm, I'm digging it. I uh, give it an 8 out of 10. I'm sitting here like, wow. <laughs> I'm really upset that there's not more Zdarsky coming. Six issues of him handling Red Hood is simply not enough. Mm-hmm. That said, um, Brandon mentioned the art and the dipping quality. And for me, I've never had a problem with his art style. And it didn't happen in the same book. So for me, it wasn't jarring at all. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the story. The art was awesome. It was fun. It was a great read. I can't wait for the conclusion, but I am exceptionally sad that it's actually coming. Red Hood got a 9 out of 10 from me. Nice. (coughs) All right, next up we have Batgirls. So keep going, Rob. All right. I'll give you a break someday. This is from writer Marguerite Bennett with art by Sweeney Boo yet again. Colors by Marisa Louise and letters from Becca Carey. The Steph and Cass are having a relaxing night of gaming inside Empty Wayne Manor. Oracle interrupts them with a new lead on an old case. A while back, Barb was investigating a crime scene where people were taken and dismembered. The only evidence she could find was a red card that burned on contact when she picked it up. Oracle sends the two to an abandoned site that once housed an international VR gaming tournament. There they find a woman with various body parts. Steph goes for the attack while Cass finds a drive and plugs it into her gauntlet to read the info. There is a recording of the woman explaining that she wants to take down the organization doing these crimes, but she can't and needs the Batgirls to continue the mission. This woman escapes to her van outside where we find out she is none other than Ryan... Ryan Wilder, last seen in Batgirl number 50. And if the name sounds even more familiar, is the current Batwoman on the CW TV show. Yeah. Oh, well, cool. kind of. Kate Kane's coming back to that, too. That's exactly the feeling that I got on here. Well, from from what I'm hearing, that at least on the TV show, we'll see how that goes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I haven't watched any of this season, but I'm, I'm seeing some stuff online that makes it sound like she's not quite but we'll see how we'll see uh who knows it's not done yet so i know i've dropped every cw show um i'll give i'll give naomi um i'll give naomi its fair shot because it's coming out uh the wonder girl show i don't even know if that's still happening but i i would give that a shot but past that uh, the cw just doesn't fly for me rob's bragging about this season has me interested and i might just watch it on fast forward but uh <laughs> i mean, quite honestly when it comes to the flash like just watch the last story arc <laughs> the first half of the season was kind of like, gotcha okay yeah but um yeah so the the going off the graffiti that was behind her like rob said i'm pretty damn sure that it's ryan wilder uh, she's young here, and Kate Kane is going nowhere. So I'm going to assume that this is going to end with her becoming a Batgirl. Yeah, that's exactly what I was so thinking. For me, this was super fun to read. I like where the story seems to be headed, and Sweeney Boo gives us kick-ass art, dude. I also gave this a nine out of ten. My only real complaint is how casually 
Cassandra will talk without the outfit on now, but when she puts it on, she's still really clipped. That just seems odd. But yeah, still nine yeah, no, out of ten was, for me. I, Not I, that big of a great man. Like I, I wasn't really sure what to expect with this story because I mean, you know, it's it's Batgirls. Like, what are you really gonna do? It might be fun, but we'll see. But I, I had a, I, I think I had a lot more fun with this one than I was expecting. Um, and it was just like, I don't know. I, 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 I know it's just kind of a one and done. But I, I kind of wish we could see more from this team in the future on Batgirls or something. Or just, just more in, yeah. like, this theme of, like, if you're going to do but, a Batgirls uh, book, try and do it like this, you know? Maybe don't take it so seriously. Just kind of right. try and have fun with it or something. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, I was worried just from the last time that I remember seeing spoiler outside of the Batman world was when Bendis wrote her. And the only thing she ever did was text. And then the next time we saw her and Cassie together in the first issues where they were calling themselves the Batgirls and Barbara had a problem with that. All they did was text each other. So I was really nervous going into this thinking that we're going to get another goddamn young Diana, but boy, did it surprise the hell out of me. I mean, I guess speaking of surprises, the next one kind of, got me yeah well, i was keep not moving. seeing this so coming. next up we have tim drake and uh I'll, uh I'll i'll let you tell us about that one josh sure it's written by megan fitzmartin with art from belaine ortega and alejandro sanchez with letters from pat brasso and i have been corrected by him twice for saying his name wrong it is brasso i thought it was brasso brasso i mean i've pronounced it a bunch of different ways and finally he yelled at me so it's brasso (laughs) the story starts out at the end and goes back and forth but we will work our way there tim is driving himself to the brink of exhaustion trying to find his friend bernard who should not be the person in this role but regardless he's trying to find bernard and the other kidnapped kids Stephanie, the spoiler, is trying to get Tim to take a little bit of help or at least a power nap. Connor then calls Tim to check on him. But let me ask you this. This isn't too big of a gripe for me, but I'm just trying to follow continuity here. Isn't that Connor gone? Leather jacket Connor? Don't we have t-shirt Connor now? Yeah. Maybe that is a clue. But, uh... I mean, maybe we've got both. Who knows? But a day later, Robin gets to meet the cop that's investigating the kidnappers, but also has his hands tied because of politics. Damn politics. So he gives Tim all of his info. Next, we see Robin on the rooftop and find out that there is more than one chaos monster. And in between then and later, Tim ends up tied to a chair. The Cult of Pain the children of Dionysus, are the ones holding him, of course, and we see Tim Drake tell them that he knows what they offer and that he's ready. Now, what that means, I guess we'll have to wait to find out. Ortega and Sanchez make a great team. This is so good looking. The art, not them. Well, maybe them? I don't know. I've never seen them in pictures. But anyway, the story is really good, too. But that's probably because Tim Drake is the shit and I'm partial. Yeah, I I, I think this is a, a, a cool, I don't know, emotional moment for Tim. 
But in terms of the story, like, or at least the, Me too. You know, the story involving this new villain chaos monster, it's, I don't know, it's, it, for me, it's just a little run of the mill. And I feel like the stuff that's really carrying this story is just Tim's inner, uh, inner reflection. Because otherwise, like, you know, this whole thing of like uh, kidnapping teens or whatever, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's a little inner like, monologue. I don't know. It's a little whatever. <laughs> It's a it's a plot device that was given yeah, to show right. off Tim Drake having his better than the other Robin's detective skills, and I don't have I don't hate on that because it feels like these chaos monsters are just kind of a means to an mm-hmm. end with this whole cult of pain thing. I rated this a nine out of ten because I like it so far, but so help me. If they turn Tim Drake into a monster or anything else, you'll see this score plummet like no tomorrow. The the story that this emotional stuff is built around was more interesting, uh, for me at least. So I ended up giving this one a 7.5. I know. I'm sorry. (gasps) I like Tim Drake just fine. I just want something (laughs) more, I guess. They're great, though. Yeah. Ortega and Sanchez. That's something more. <laughs> yeah, I really do feel after this story, and th- this has been done a lot. Tim's gonna be different. Mm. He better not be it different. Is... Well, I mean, just like I don't know, like not necessarily Robin, but. Like, not a name change. Yeah, but I, I like, think that's where they're going. He's, at. he's going to get better. Like, he's not going to be all moody. Dude, I fucking hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, now, I made this comment before. I've made this, I, th- I want to say that I've said it twice now, but there I has to be a Dark Tim. Robin. Please don't be Tim. There has to be. It's, uh, it's like always happened. Now, my call previously was, was that we were going to start seeing Nightwing take a darker turn. And it felt like that for a couple of issues, but now it's coming right back up and it totally feels like awesome, normal Dick Grayson comic book. And I fucking love it. So that said, we've got Tim Drake tied to a chair with a cult of pain saying, I know what you got. Give it to me. That fucking worries. Actually, that worries me a lot. And uh, this would be interesting because you mentioned that Connor was. still wearing his old costume and that kind of didn't really make sense and i thought that might be a clue and i'm thinking i mean i hope that this isn't the route that they go because i I don't really want to see tim in another dark place again but potentially if that's the route that they're going maybe this is you know i don't know who i am i need to reevaluate myself and the only way that i can do it is undercover and that's when we reveal that tim drake is actually red x now i know that they've been saying that he's not robin he's not robin but if this was the oh. way that they wanted to segue it you know just kind of in a completely different book i i could see that i could totally be wrong i have no idea but we'll see if if it i I that would not sell me no matter how many upgrades you gave it. The dialogue from Red X sounds nothing like Tim Drake. And could he go through a personality change? Sure, but Batman of Zerile. I mean, that's just ridiculous. 
It shouldn't happen. I feel like at this point, Tim Drake is the Wally West of Batman's world. Yeah, more because they don't really know what to do with him. They just keep and, shitting on him. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I have I have a lot of opinions on that. You never opinions that, that step could up probably fill an entire episode. Um, we could. I think we could just do it. Yep. I personally think he should replace well, that's, Bruce, that's but big. whatever. Yeah, I, I have a whole, I have like a laundry list of ideas of what to do with Tim Drake because it just, it feels like he's kind of spinning on wheels where they don't really know where the hell to put him. We should record an episode oh, just do that. doing speculation. Um, yeah. That could be fun. Not a review man. DC show, or not a, not a review, not a robot DC Comics special episode, <laughs> what to do with Tim Drake. But anyway, how go. did you feel, Rob? There you go. I, I still enjoyed it. I'm curious to see where it's going to end. And I just really hope Tim mm. isn't going to be... I hope he comes back to the light again. This really feels a lot like the path that he was set on in that legendary Detective Comics mm-hmm. story where we got the Dark Batman from the yeah, future. Yeah, too. And I just really hope it's not going that no, direction. No, it, it can't. Yeah. That can't. No. But this this is an 8 out of 10 for me. I'm still enjoying it. And here's mm-hmm. see where it goes. Just don't make him the Dark Robin. You have two perfectly good Dark yes. Robins. Red Hood and, and Damien yes. are both on the road to redemption. Yeah. Yes. Just keep them but there. They're, yes. they're both also excellent Dark Robins. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, no. Tim and little, Dick are not. little so. shuffle up. Well, moving on to our last story, we'll be taking a look at Grifter in the final installment of The Long Con. This was brought to us by Matthew Rosenberg with art from Ryan Benjamin, colors from Antonio Fabela, and letters from Saija Temafonte. Uh, after a brief flashback to how Grifter actually ended up working for Lucius Fox in the first place after ditching Leviathan, we cut to the present where he is being ejected from his job, the job that he tried to get in the first place. Uh, before checking in with his crew uh, and thinking of a new plan and how to get back into Wayne Enterprises. He goes back to Leviathan in an attempt to pitch a new plan, which will help them get access to the Wayne Tech computers. I realized I just said Wayne Enterprises and then Wayne Tech. I don't know why I did that. But anyway, it's the same thing. Who cares? Point is, he devises a new (laughs) plan, which he pitches to the... I I, I don't know if he's... I mean, I don't even know what the order system is for Leviathan, but this guy who is working for Leviathan, uh, in order to get inside the Wayne Enterprises building and get access to the servers, but of course they betray him halfway through the operation and get to the security floor instead, uh, threatening to kill Grifter if he does not cooperate. Uh, but Grifter, being as stubborn as he is, goes to attack his would-be killer and throws him out of a building and crushes him with his body, as you do, only to flop off and be met with a rather unexpected guest, that being Nightwing, who is checking in with him alongside Batman, wondering what the hell is going on in his city. Uh, Batman knows that the bodies that he had found for Nora Freeze and Toy Man were fake, and he wants to know all about it from Grifter, who has absolutely no idea what's going on, but Grifter convinces Batman to work with him and that they need to get back into the building. Uh, In time, Batman uses some technology to which the person on Grifter's line is asking him a bunch of questions and he has no idea what the hell it even is. Trades some quippy banter with Nightwing 
and uh, eventually Grifter betrays them as well and locks them in a building, uh, or locks them in the sub-basement, I should say, before going up to free Lucius Fox uh, before the assailants come to attack him. They get into the elevator, they're planning to head into the room, Lucius is asking Grifter about his allegiances, but thankfully they're able to escape from the elevator before any more serious damage can be done, uh, given that the elevator has stopped, and they make their way to the server room, where Grifter reveals that all of this has really been a ploy for getting access to these servers because someone is aware that it contains all the information and all the related technology that supports Batman. But they don't have time to answer the questions on how they know exactly. Grifter simply demands that if they do not want to die, Lucius needs to lower all the defenses around the building in order to protect them. And that's when, after doing so, who should appear but after, God, I don't even know how many years, uh, yeah, the Wildcats show Too up. Too yes, many. Yes, you heard me right, the Wildcats, with a lineup of, I believe, Woohoo! this is just going off of the ones that I can tell, Grifter, Michael Cray, a.k.a. Deathblow, Zealot, a very young-looking Fairchild, uh, Lady Tron, mm-hmm. Void, a weird like skeletal monster that may or may not be Spartan. I have no idea. And then I think that's Nora Freeze. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like she's using ice powers. And I remember that Nora Freeze could do that. Yeah. I, I don't know. What did you guys think? Yep. I think she slipped off during Tom Taylor's run, and we haven't seen her yet, so that totally sure. could be um, going on. But in any case, the Wildcats beat the shit out of the Leviathan agents before escaping, leaving Lucius Fox completely and totally confused as Batman, as Batman, as Batman and Nightwing show up, asking just what the heck was going on. <laughs> which Lucius replies, "I have no idea," and thus ends our tale of Grifter for the time being. Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I, I like came to this this issue and I was like sad because I just it was over. Like I just there was nothing left, and I I almost forgot about it. But it had just been moving along so fast that once we got to the end of it, it was just it was just kind of over. But it says that the Wildcats will return. You don't have a tease like that and not plan for something in the future. Um, I. Yeah, I, I'm wondering you would think. how this conclusion will go down because it does leave a couple of unanswered questions that might be a little frustrating. Um, so I, I ended up giving this one an 8.25 because well, I felt like it, it wrapped up some of the bigger stuff. There are definitely still some questions that are going a little unanswered as to why Grifter was going around killing Toy Man and Nora Freeze. I have a couple theories on why that is. But it seems like it might be a little while before any of that stuff is confirmed. But um, overall, I'd say it's a solid conclusion. Maybe not the strongest one, but I'd say it definitely did its job. And I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what's going on with the Wildcats. What did you guys think? I mean, given this creative team, do I even need to comment? We have raved about this <laughs> backup forever. And just like Cole said... This is a moment I've been waiting for a long time. <laughs> I think yep. Brandon just quoted that, but it's accurate as shit. Um, and he's talking to Max uh, on well, the other side of the see, line. I, I, because we have been speculating for this entire story as to who was behind the line. And I, 
I was like, okay, it's Ladytron. Like we had confirmed that in issue three. And then he says Max. Yeah, then he says Max. And we I was thought like, wait so. Wait a minute, that can't be right because Max is dead, right? We thought, but then thought. I remembered. Hang on. Sorry, I just had to pull something else up. Then I. No, no. Well, what if that's not Spartan? That Lady Tron's real name is Maxine Manchester. Oh, yeah, see, so I completely I. So I like, freaking oh, forgot about a, that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nickname. Good catch, um, good catch. Yep. Yeah. It, fucking sweet. This this run, uh, dude. Uh, give me more, but I don't see any solicits for something. And th- nope. this is crazy because a uh, Wildcats yeah, I, book would I sell like a new PS5, dude. In, in November oh, or December. Yeah. I, yeah. dude, they, we better. That's all I've got to say. I don't want to have to wait until 2022 to read Wildcats. I've waited well, you got a little bit of 20 it, years already. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, a little tiny bit, but uh, yeah, altogether, this also got a nine out of 10 for me. Uh, so given that I rated every single story in this one a nine, which. Oh, yeah, I find to be pretty impressive. I rounded the the whole book up to nine point five, full on fire. Loved it. Yeah, as for Grifter, I loved it. Like, there's there's not much more can be said that you guys haven't already. I I wasn't a big. I was aware of Wildcats. I didn't really mm-hmm. read it myself. I still haven't, but I really should. <laughs> but I. At the end of the day, I still love when old characters are brought back like this, and and seeing the excitement in in fans' voices and faces. If there was ever going to be a solicitation, mm-hmm. I would have felt like this week would have been the perfect time to do it, considering yeah. the timing. My of it all, my guess is it would come in November, just because November, they had already yeah, announced that sense. Task Force Z, which is something that Rosenberg is also doing. So they probably don't want them to yeah. to feel too heavy. You kind of want to break it up. And if I had to guess. If they do relaunch Wildcats yeah. and and watch me be wrong, but I, I think it will probably be a mini series, just because they, I think that's something they're going to want to test the waters on. I don't know how many people are going to remember the Wildcats unless you were reading comics in the '90s. But um, if it is an, an ongoing series, by all means, call me a big stupid idiot on Twitter. I won't see it, but you can say it anyway. <laughs> but I, I gave this issue I overall and he's allergic yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Rosenberg's gonna be busy he doesn't just have um, Task Force Z he's also on DC versus Vampires so yeah so I mean um, ah man I mean yeah. I we always make the Jeff Lemire comparison but Jesus dude I mean these guys are yeah. well, working I mean, themselves gotta, to the bone. Figure it's, uh, so thank you. Keep working just so you can pay the bills. Amen to that. Yeah. Wish I could. <laughs> if that is Nora Freeze at the end, which I'm looking at it again, I think you might be right. That that really does raise many more questions. Like Batman saying, "I know you didn't yeah. kill Nora Freeze." My my main theory right no, now is <laughs> they. <laughs> They killed, with quotation marks around, killed Nora Freeze and Toy Man so they could basically fold them into the Wildcats and just 
just use their services. Like that, that'd be my guess, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Potential. That'd be interesting. All in all, I, I gave this final grifter chapter a nine out of 10. I cannot mm. wait for a wildcats return even still. Yeah. And overall, I gave the whole book an eight out of 10, just an enjoyable read. Very cool. All right, well, let's move on to our final book for this week as we are coming upon two hours now, and that is Infinite Frontier number two. This issue was brought to us by Joshua Williamson with pencils from Paul Pelletier, Jesus Marino, and Zermanico, with inks from Norm Rapend, Jesus Marino, and Zermanico, colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters from Tom Napolitano. This issue, much like the last one, is basically a series of check-ins as we follow various characters checking in at their points in the DC universe. We first start with uh, Agent Cameron Chase, who is at the Hall of Justice, checking in with Batman and Superman about some questions that she has regarding the multiverse and some things that are going on, especially involving Perpetua and all the other things that had happened during Death Metal. We also check in with the uh, Justice Incarnate, uh, particularly the escaped Batman of the Flashpoint universe, as well as Superman of Earth-23, as they basically get up to speed on how uh, Batman escaped, or this version of Batman escaped from Arkham after the end of Tom King's run. And they also visit Earth-22 to check in there, where they are met with a very strange but very familiar character. Uh, And it's funny that we mentioned Kingdom Come earlier because that character is Magog himself, one of the starring characters from that role. We next check in with the Totality, Mm -hmm. who are investigating the explosion of the Justice Society headquarters in New York and trying to find out what happened to Jade as well as some of the other missing characters from the Justice Society. Bandle Savage gives Obsidian a little bit of crap over him basically trying to find out what the hell happened to Jade and his desire to beat the crap out of anyone who was involved in that uh, before Alan Scott absolutely demolishes Vandal saying that if he ever talks to his son that way he will wish that he was not immortal and that's when him and Obsidian leave to as Alan says go kick ass We next check in with Roy Harper in the middle of a desert, seemingly, who is investigating the mystery of his new found Black Lantern abilities as he's trying to figure out just what the heck is going on. He's not sure if there's some kind of oath involved or whatever, but we get a brief (laughs) flashback of the time that he was meeting with Hal Jordan uh, and trying to figure out just what he's trying to do. Uh, But Roy's trying to get some control over his new Black Lantern ring. And that's when, after trying to make a construct, or at least have the ring talk to him, he gets a very strange vision of the future, or at least I assume a vision of the future, of various things happening across the multiverse right now, such as Barry Allen in Chains, the Flashpoint Batman, Darkseid, and what I believe to be, or what he believes to be, his daughter, Leanne, alive. A chilling moment for him that basically forces the Black Lantern ring to overcome him because he is just so overwhelmed with emotion. We did. We saw Psycho Pirate there too, didn't we? A lot of interesting stuff in the works. And finally, we check in again with Agent Cameron Chase, who is looking to investigate something with Captain Adam, 
uh, as she goes in to check with him. And we're not really sure what she's driving at. And that's when she reveals that this Captain Adam, the one that we see here, is not the Captain Adam that we know. Captain Adam realizes that he's been played and decides that at this point he has nothing left to lose, opens up his chest and says, Dark Side is before exploding the military compound. Uh, wow. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of checking in, uh, I have to say. And I think that's why mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really digging this. Yeah. Can you even call it an event? It doesn't really feel like... I mean, I guess it technically is, but it's... it's I, I don't feel like we have... Yeah. No, like... Exactly. exactly. Events feel like crises to me. You know, this... Yeah. feels like a really drawn out yeah redirection yeah, really. of the entire universe and i think by the we're going to get we're going to get an amazing yeah. battle with dark side it better be amazing and then after that it's going to i feel like we're going to be seeing maybe not a whole new dc universe but definitely i'm feeling yeah yeah i think this maybe is definitely this is the the exploring the multiverse yeah. book which i, I really really did because it's just it's not trying right. to get we'll get the bigger moments later i'm sure i mean you had the explosion at the end but for now it just feels like this is the book where if you've had questions as to how the cosmic stuff really works right now this is the book for you and i think that's why it's really landing for me why i'm really digging it because i i just like when books explore the nature of these universes so um I'm I'm still having a really good time with it, and I, I ended up giving this one an 8.5. Uh, art was solid all around. Um, you know, it was a, a different variety of artists. It wasn't just Sermanico, but I felt like each one did a really solid job, and uh, I'm interested to see what comes next. How did you guys feel? Uh, I feel kind of the same way you do. Um, holy sweet beeswax, I'm pissed that Roy Harper just got back just to go full zombie as a black lantern for dark side dude what the hell and we can't okay so i guess we can't have a a happy well, wally sure and Roy get, at the same time there he's got some sure. stuff to work through but, <laughs> yeah like being a dark side lantern <laughs> also did you notice that when roy changed into the dead looking deal the symbol yeah. change from black lantern to dark side's omega did you mention that all right yeah um, one thing is for sure that I can tell out of this is that Roy Harper is going to be a major player in the immediate future of DC. I think the art is gorgeous. I'm having an amazing time. We get Captain Adam back just to lose him again. But he did look too young to be our Captain Adam, I think. That was my very first thought when I saw him. And I can't help but think that Agent Chase is dead now. After after all that setup, it went nowhere. She's literally right in front of Captain 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 Adam, and there's no way she could have survived. Uh, an exploding Captain Adam is literally but complete nuclear devastation. Do. Yeah, she's yeah. a regular person. That's ridiculous. But I am in man again. It is truly beautiful. But I'm gonna have to see how this plays out right now. Because I'm fairly worried, I'm really not going to like how the Infinite Frontier finishes up. I feel like there's going to be a... I I feel like we are not done with the dark days of DC. And I was hoping that we would be after Death Metal. But it just feels like it's not there yet, man. 
I hope I'm worrying for nothing, but here we are. I did give this an 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, it's also an 8.5 for me. I don't know. I, I completely understand where you're going from with, with Chase, and I was thinking the exact same thing, but it would be a big cop-out to set her up and just kill her off in a second. Unless that's exactly what we are going to be getting a lot of from DC. They're, it almost feels like they're going, yeah, we're going to have Joshua Williamson direct it all. Tynan's going to help a lot of people write the books, but we're taking our plot cues from Taylor's Deceased, where they build you up, they get you into the character, and then they're gone. Yeah, we'll have to see. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. feels awesome. like that anyway. Now. I, I do just want to point out, and I mentioned earlier that we call a lot of stuff on this on this show. Yep. That Roy Harper taking on a new moniker. I called mm-hmm. that back in Secret Files yeah. number one, and I think you guys. Yep, we agreed with you. I remember that shit. <laughs> yeah, and this, it it I don't know if it was just obvious yeah, or maybe. if we're just really good at predicting the future. But with yeah, our powers I, combined. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope Roy Holy doesn't fuck. stay dead, but if this becomes a whole thing and he's just like an alive Black Lantern, there's there's something happening with the returned heroes in the JSA and might spread to other characters within the DC universe. Oh, it definitely will because and, we saw Necron yeah, in the yeah. whole storyline with Shazam. Oh, yep. shoot. All right. Um, if Roy is the catalyst for that and finds a way to bring them back permanently maybe there's a whole black lantern white lantern mm. thing oh yeah bring that story back white lantern you better make it kyle rayner if, if, if well if if what if roy is the next i'll take that too yeah <laughs> i think kyle kyle's stint as white lantern is like his stint as the torchbearer it's done yeah he's he's great as just a regular lantern now let's have some new characters bring it up <laughs> that makes me um, sad to hear you say that <laughs> hey, I'm not not bashing Kyle. I think he's great, but I I loved him better as just a a regular lantern. He didn't need to be like the the poster boy for the core. Just he's he's a great character as nice. a ring slinger. There you go. Yeah, but that's a whole <laughs> that's yeah, a whole other yeah, that's a whole other discussion. I could go on about lanterns. Uh, Dark side's getting fucking scary again, and I'm so. Curious to see what the hell happened to him. Who did he eat? <laughs> and why did it why did it give him such cosmic indigestion? Yeah, I hope to God they don't end yeah. up nerfing him like nobody's business right after this big huge build up. If we go back to having yeah. like a baby dark side or something or where everybody can one punch his ass, it's gonna it's gonna bug the hell out of me. You know, it's like Doomsday. Yeah. Doomsday came in and killed Superman and then after that Booster Gold yeah. could kick his ass, you know? It's like what the hell? Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting these vibes that if if these kind of hints towards what Darkseid's doing is happening, he's forming like a and this is a story that's been done a lot, but much like Dark Avengers, he's forming a Dark Justice League. That very well he's could be Roy is the what's Black going Avenger. on here. He's got Savitar for the Flash. Who knows? I don't know. There's, there's, what, five issues left in this story, and there's a lot of story left to tell. Oh, yeah, and it's not stopping with this 
series that's going to continue on throughout the universe. So it's 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 yeah. a six issue setup issue. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, All right. Uh, well, now that that's done, let's Fingers break down crossed. the top three books for this week and standout moments if we have one. Rob, do you want to get us started? All right. Mine might be a bit surprising. For number three, I had Justice League Last Ride. It's just an enjoyable story so far. I'm loving how it's going. And the rest of the, the story is just going to be fantastic. I can feel it. Number two, I had Future State Gotham. With every issue, the art style is just hitting me more and more. And I'm loving the manga style. And I, I do hope the story ends in a way that's coherent and good and that it mm. doesn't get old fast like so many other books have gotten recently and number one i had flash annual just exciting gave me chills uh nice. so much i could talk about that but i can take up a whole brandon can you yeah, tell me the last good. time zadarsky did not nail an ending i i haven't i don't think i've read any that have been terribly disappointed exactly <laughs> yeah i'm I, I i'm gonna give honorable mention to to last ride in mine as well yeah no i had at number three uh, um jeez I, I didn't even it was, it was kind of hard to break it down this week because i felt like i had a lot of strong numbers um but at number three i had batman urban legends just a really solid, um, really solid addition in this anthology. And though I'm sad to see Grifter go, I, I was satisfied for the most part with how it went out, um, as well as some of the other stories, even if the Tim Drake one is still a little disappointing for me. Um, at number two, I had Detective Comics. Oh, no. I had Detective Comics and Batman the Detective number four. Cheater. Um, both are, I know. I <laughs> man. This is how the world works. Um, I was going to put Infinite Frontier number two there as well, but I, I'll just give an honorable mention to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had both of those at number two. Both were just really great installments, and I'm just I'm, I'm very pleased with them. But at number one, I had Justice League Last Ride. Um, even though I think I might have rated Batman the Detective a little higher, I think this issue was the one that really just interested me more in the world to the point where I was like, if we could get more of this world, I would really appreciate it. Um, but, you know, we'll see. And it, it's just the Justice League book that I, I just wish was the main one right now. And uh, my standout moment uh, had to go to Justice League Last Ride. It's just one shot of uh, Superman kind of turned back at Lobo um, and it really focuses on his face, and the shadow that they put on it is just absolutely incredible. Oh, I know the panel that you're talking about. Yeah, that was yeah, really good, man. Gorgeous. Rob, did uh, you get... That whole page. Yeah. It, well, yeah. I mean, honestly, the whole damn book was pretty pretty nice, yeah. man. Uh, Rob, did you give a favorite moment? I did not. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I forgot about that. I was thinking about it, as I said it. My my best moment actually is from Hell Flash, yeah. and that's when Waller was powering up. When he was getting that that lightning bolt through the back, and just <laughs> you know, my right on. childhood right Dragon Ball Z. My top three, and I've got two questions coming up for for you guys here with it. Uh, my top three is Batman the Detective. I have wanted Taylor on the Batman book for so long because I thought he would be great. Guess what? I was right. This is so good. Uh, 
Number two went to Batman Urban Legends. Every single story for me was a nine across the board. I don't think that's ever happened. So it's kind of unbelievable, but here we are. That got number two. But real quick, with carrying on the conversation that we had earlier, talking about Tim Drake, he doesn't seem darker in Future State before being soaked in the Lazarus resin, right? I mean, he seems like normal Tim Drake, doesn't he? He just se- he seems no, determined, he was, but... Yeah, he was just like, I'm like the last one left. Well, except for Dick, but he's kind of doing his own thing. I just, I have to keep going, essentially. Well, it's funny. That's what I remember. It's funny that you mentioned Dick, too, because um, hopefully I'm right. <laughs> but remember, in Future State, Dick starts wearing Deathstroke's costume and does not want to be called Nightwing. So maybe he is the Dark Robin after all. Perhaps. And, and number one goes to no big surprise from me at all. But how long has it been since Heroes in Crisis? Almost three years now. And that is how fucking long I have been waiting for this comic book, which is why it got the score that it did. It gave me something I've been waiting for for almost a thousand days and it was done not just well, it was done wonderful, and it looks just as good, dude. Number one, for sure. Now, mm-hmm. my favorite moment, of course, I want to say that it was when we found out that Wally didn't cause Heroes in Crisis. And that does tie with my favorite choice, because obviously I've been looking forward to that for a while. But it was a couple of panels there later on that showed that real emotional moment between Wally and Ali as they miss Roy Harper. And boom fucking slug to the chest dude i was like mm-hmm. i gobbled that shit up <laughs> that's my favorite moment like that was fun but this is even more fun it's time for the biggest thinker, 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 thinker. oh that's nasty <laughs> so which title made your stink list today guys i think we might be in agreement on this one but well, uh let's see i i, I think for me it's, it's got to be wonderful yeah. so i should be putting rorschach here i should um, yeah. Uh, we we dropped Rorschach on this podcast. It has officially made the dump list. Uh, so because of that, I'm going to skip past it for the stinker. I want to say, given Rorschach, I want to say there were maybe two issues that I enjoyed and a third that was okay. But here's the thing. I pretty much know that I'm not going to like it because of that fact. And that automatically lowers my expectations. So this is going to go to a book that should never be on the stink list. But by Hera, here we are. Uh, Just like Brandon, I got to say Wonder Woman cuts the cheese for my biggest stinker. Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) this is an interesting one for me. Is Wonder Woman, overall, I gave 7.75 and that slight margin of error that 0.25 just kept it out of the stink list if I'm going by scores alone and if we kept Rorschach in, Rorschach would have tied for last place but my bottom book this week was Joker surprisingly and I (laughs) I was bewildered when I was typing those letters out but the, the story just didn't hit as well as the main story's been going on and it just time wise it was a little out of place, and as much as I'm enjoying Punchline and the art was fantastic, the story was going to do you guys remember when Punchline started being solicited 
when Tynan started releasing those images of Punchline. Before oh, she, I remember, I follow his newsletter. I've been following it for me too since it started. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't do it since it started, but uh, oh, I do subscribe I was, to the Tiny Onion now. Oh, my friend, when when I was still on Twitter, I was actually that's another funny story because I literally the the only reason I actually joined Twitter in the first place was to follow comic creators. Specifically, I wanted to follow James because I I wanted teasers for Detective Comics when he was writing it at the time. Yes. Um, but he announced it, and I, I was just like, oh, I love this guy. I can't wait to see his newsletters. But, yeah, I remember when the first teasers were coming out, and it was all over the DC Comics subreddit, and everyone was going crazy. Yep. People ran out and got fucking tattoos of her before she even showed up in a comic Yeah, they were book. cosplaying before. People were making cosplay before the first appearance even came out. Doing cosplay is one thing, dude. These people were getting tattoos of punchline yeah it's crazy <laughs> they are literally acting like the yeah just a bit the i was reading <laughs> i was so i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me because i mean i'm the i'm i'm the biggest batman fan i have ever met with the exception of kevin smith and it complete i would never have a batman symbol tattooed on me never that's just because who knows what could happen down the road? I just have things that like represent life. I've got eleven tattoos all over me, but they're like parts of my life from my past, and I don't assign it to pop culture. I learned that lesson when I saw my uncle get a Tasmanian devil tattoo. Holy shit, he regrets that now. So, <laughs> as I'm, I'm just not there, man. And uh, <laughs> as far as my dump list goes, I am. We we already got rid of Rorschach. I'm suggesting that we get rid of Wonder Woman too. I'm disappointed in Wonder Woman. I don't want to cut it, but the backups aggravate me. The main arc has fallen, including the art, and that's that's just yuck. I mean, yeah, I'm I think, I'm really I think bummed we're all out. In agreement on that one. Yep. All right, so our dump list now includes Rorschach and Wonder Woman, and we are going to continue to dump titles if they aren't up to snuff. We aren't going to waste your time covering titles that we don't want to talk about and you don't want to hear about. If they're shit, they're going down the toilet on the dump list. Yes. And that's the show. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Come back next week for more DC Comics talk when we'll be reviewing Nightwing number 82, Flash 772, Catwoman number 33, Superman and the Authority number one. Yes, it's finally here. Right. Blue and Gold number one. Well, same thing for that too. And Shazam number one. We'll be here talking comics and we hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. With that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Hey, before we say goodbye, I forgot something. What's up? Due to ratings, due to interest, due to lack of being tied into the rest of the universe, Justice League made the dump list too. Uh, It preemptively made the dump list. It certainly did. Now, JLD, pretty much nothing by Ron V deserves that, so we'll probably maybe still cover JLD, but Justice League is gone, guys. Yeah, no that that one we're we're all in agreement that that one we just don't want to talk about yep. anymore. So nope. See you, Justice League. Wish I could say I missed you. <laughs> With that, there's only one way that we'd say goodbye around here. Until next time, 
and don't be a robot. Just like a little bit of 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 a little